very interrupt, but I just had one of those brain learning things pop in my head that wasn't there a second ago. And basically, what is Christmas? You know, I just got out of jail, which was awesome. You know, in jail we don't have presents and lights and trees. We just get stoned and drunk. It's the best time. You know, I get out here and I'm all stressed out. My girlfriend breaks up with me. And, I mean, that's not what Christmas should be. You should be getting drunk and stoned with your friends and family, people that you love. Who here is drunk right now? How many people here are drunk besides Julian? That is so awesome. And everybody in here should do the same thing. Get drunk and stoned with your families. If you don't smoke dope or drink, just spend time with your families. It's awesome. Merry Christmas. I'm going to get drunk and stoned with my friend Bubbles right now. Um, are they still alive after that? I'm sorry for that intro. Uh, but you know, I mean, come on. I, I, this is, this is me here and I have weird fucked up intros. So, you know, death metal every night. I, I realize I need more brutal, you know, technical death metal as an intro. And I mean, what better way to, to transition from a Mariah Carey song than to some death metal, you know? It, it's, what, what can I say? So, he, um, hello, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, or, you know, uh, Hanukkah, I, I, I don't know. Whatever holiday you're celebrating, I don't know what PC... It, it tur- I don't know how to be PC, I'm sorry. I try my best not to offend... <laughs> sensitive people out there but just you know happy season's greetings how about that is that appropriate okay let's work with that hold on jesus christ so i realize by the time this episode drops it will already have been christmas but i'm recording it christmas day e- christmas evening You know, I had to spend all this time with my family, and now I'm recording. So, better late than never, you know? Um, How are all of you out there? I hope you're doing well. I'm feeling very strange. (laughs) This is my first Christmas sober, so applause to me. Thank you. Applause. Um, (laughs) And it's weird, you know? I had this crazy ritual every year for many, many years, you know, where I would be high. And it started off with hunting down 80 milligram oxys and saving them or doing some and then having some right when I I would do them right when I woke up on Christmas Day. So my present opening experience was that much more uh, intensified. And, uh, you know, it gradually but surely evolved into me slamming. Um, and you know, that what became very problematic for me. And now I had to be, not have to be, I choose, that's better. I chose to be sober. Um, and it was weird because, you know, a lot of the times I, I'm pretty sure I was doing opiates because I, 
had more confidence and I could socially interact with people more comfortably. So just social interactions with people I haven't seen for a very long time uh, and doing that clean and sober was was different. Um, interacting with people. It's like I have to learn how to be an entirely new human all over from step one and learning how to do it sober instead of doing it fucked up. So that was weird. And then it was also just weird because in the back of my head, I had insecurities about like, okay, which one of these, because my parents have this big Christmas Eve get together and family and friends come. So I'm, I'm trying to converse with them. And in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, do they know about where I've been for the last nine months? What has my family told them about, you know, me? Do they know I'm in rehab or, you know, like I know, my parents like to be like, oh, he's doing so much better and <clears throat> and this and that. And so I didn't know what to reveal to people. So I kind of just kept, I didn't really like open up like, oh, yeah, I'm not one of those like gung-ho like recovery people. Like, oh, my God, I'm doing so great. Because it's like, dude, I know one bad mistake, I'll be right back where I started from. So it's like I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm so good now and but life's amazing. Because it's like, dude, I face challenges every single fucking day. It's not like, you know, I do the 12 steps and then my, I have, I mean, I've had these cliche spiritual awakenings, but it's not like that lasts forever. Like it's kind of like smoking crack. You got to keep like taking action to get that. It's not like you just do the steps and you're cured, you know? So it's like, no, it's been kind of like a struggle here and there sometimes when I'm like depressed sometimes or I get a craving or, you know, I run into friends or or this and that, and it's like, you know, this has been an especially hard holiday season because so many people have relapsed, uh, um, there's been a few people that have died um, or gone missing, and, and I chose not to get into the details of that this episode because I'm trying to keep it as cheery as possible. You know, when I was first trying to tackle this Christmas episode, I had a much more depressing intro, and I and I was in a much more depressed, like, emotional state because of all this crazy shit that's been going on. Um, but I'll get I'll indulge you all in the details of that on a different recording. But this one I'm trying to keep uh, light and and upbeat. Um, and I was going to um, I was going to segue into my or our very first recording ever that me and Ryan did for this podcast. Episode one that never got aired, but my PC desktop is giving me a shit ton of problems. Um, so I can't access that one. So I must, I, I apologize. I know. Um, we will, you know, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to go get it checked out. Like, not to get too much into it, but I... I fired it up and the it, it was giving no signal in, for my TV monitor. So then I tried to like go on YouTube and it was like, oh, well, I'll try this and this. And then I tried to do this and this that it suggested. Now the fucking thing won't even turn on. So I'm like, you know, a little bit freaking out because it's like I have very important recording and files on there. But I will get that squared away. Um, but I will include... In this episode, the last phone interview I did with my beloved co-host, Ryan. 
Um, I did it on a couple weekend passes ago. I, I did a phone interview with him just to check in on him and see how he's been and where he's at. And I'm sure a lot of you out there listening who have, you know, heard him on the podcast or, you know, heard me talking about him have probably been like, oh, I wonder if he's doing good or where he's at. And, you know, I, I mentioned on, on the run episode that he had relapsed after getting out of the rehab facility I'm currently in now. And so I'm sure a lot of you are probably wondering how he's been lately. Um, from my understanding, he's doing good. Um, I still need to check in on him and make sure he's doing good. Um, it's been hard without a phone or being on library contract and you know, no limited to no access to internet or social media. So I will include that in this episode. Um, and what have I been up to? Well, you know, I got up here on weekend pass. Um, I went and I went and saw the Star Wars movie. I saw been seeing a bunch of movies. I saw the the Cats movie. Uh, with my friend Zach, that fucking sucked. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, no surprise. It, I mean, not to get into too too much of a rant on this, but if you're wondering what the Cats movie is like and don't want to waste $14 for a ticket, this is basically the entire movie. They sing about being cats, and then they introduce, a like, a, the whole movie, they introduce a cat, they have a song about the cat, and that's the whole fucking movie for an hour and a half. And then a cat gets chosen to go to cat heaven in a fucking hot air balloon. And then they sing and dance some more. And they look really... The CGI of them looks really creepy. And that's all it is. Just introducing cats and singing. And you know what? In the musical, they get abducted by UFOs. No. Not even a UFO in this. Just a fucking hot air balloon. I was pretty disappointed. But... Uh, what's her face? Taylor Swift was did pretty good. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Sucked. I saw Bombshell. That movie was kind of an eye opener. Uh, a lot of creeps in uh in the news anchor in Fox News. I guess that's fucking crazy. Uh, and so yeah, I've just uh, Knives Out. Knives Out was. I'd say if you're gonna see anything, go see Knives Out. But I went and saw the Star Wars movie. I didn't see the one before it with Baby Yoda. So I was kind of lost. I'm like, it's it's basically the same shit. They have, I don't know. It was okay. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I know you can, you know, crucify me later. But I get out and then I see my friend and uh, uh, hang out with her brother. And he's like staying at this hotel down the street from my house because he's like, I don't know, visiting family or whatever. He's got his dog in the fucking hotel. And he's playing Xbox or some shit. And he's so into this Xbox game, he doesn't let his dog out to go piss. And the dog pisses on my leg. So, you know, my first day back in town, a dog pisses on my leg. The day before, or even earlier that day, because <laughs> before I even drove up there, uh, my friend Zach got me little, uh, some little Chotsky small gifts. And... Uh, in this bag, he got me, you know, little minor, little Christmassy things. And one of them I thought were baby wipes. And if anyone doesn't know, or if I haven't said it before, I love baby wipes. I'm more into the adult baby wipes. They have to be flush, flushable, but uh, I'm hopelessly addicted to baby wipes because 
I like a clean asshole. I mean, I know that might be, you know, just bizarre to some people, but, you know, uh, toilet paper can only get so much of the job done, and then you got to fine-tune with a wet wipe. And so I like that because, you know, <laughs> this is so graphic, but you'll wipe with toilet paper, and you'll look, and you're like, oh, I've cleaned as much as... Is, is my butthole's fully clean now. But then you go in there with the wet wipe and you're like, oh, look, this picked up all the stuff that toilet paper left behind. So now I have to use baby wipes all the time. I don't start immediately with the baby wipes. I do, you know, I get the major, you know, uh, grooming and cleaning of my, my anus with the toilet paper. And then when I've that's gone as far as it will, I fine-tune with the baby wipe, you know, isn't it weird how poop particles will cause your your butthole to itch? But if you get it on your hand, it doesn't make your hand itch. It just makes your butthole itch. And I, I'm I don't know. That's I don't know why that is. But I just like a clean, non-itchy, you know, non-soiled anus hole. And so he gave me these what I what th- what I thought were. Uh, baby wipes. So I go in, I'm like excited to use this new baby wipe. And I look down and it's a, a Clorox disinfecting wipe <laughs> that you use to like wipe down door handles and desk countertops. So I basically essentially just bleached my own asshole um, unbeknownst to myself until after the fact and burned a little. So that's where my life has been at. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. Anyway, um, I want to get into this phone interview, but first I want to tell a story and uh, try and catch up on reading, you know, uh, iTunes reviews and emails. Um, And I don't have emails in front of me, so I will read an iTunes review, uh, the last one that was made. I know I need to catch up on reading everyone's emails and catch up on reading iTunes reviews. And I apologize for not doing that or, and not responding to the emails um, because, you know, I like to do that. I want to do that. And, um, you know, I every time I have done that and I've told people, hey, I read your email, people are, like, stoked about it. So I promise I will do that um, when I have a phone and a computer again and, and all that stuff. So at least I'll knock one out now and hopefully I remember which ones I read in the past. So this one is from, this one, this review was made December 16th, 2019. Uh, five out of five stars and it's from Bryce960. And he writes, my go-to podcast. I love this podcast. I've been listening weekly for the last seven months, and it's become my go-to podcast for when I start my work week. I love the style of the interviews, how it's just a couple guys sitting around sharing using stories. It's totally relatable and much more interesting than interviews with celebrities whom have already told their story to a dozen other podcasts. And sure, he's had on some higher profile guests, but the casual conversations, which typically 
typically occur are way easier to get into and vibe with. I really love the guests and their stories and how much I can relate to their lifestyle and battles. Also, being on the Central Coast myself, I feel as if I know these guys personally already, so I'm always glued to their stories and find them very entertaining. Keep up the good work and continue to have these interviews with the average struggling addict. It's much easier for us addicts to relate to and draw inspiration from. I love this podcast. Good work, Unk. Uh, Thank you, Bryce. And, you know, I've gotten this kind of feedback multiple times where people prefer um, me having just my friends on to share war stories and not you know, um, bigger name guests. And so, um, I know some people like bigger name guests. I've had been, I've had people reach out to me who are much higher profile names or much more, you know, well-to-do and successful people come on and share their story. And I, I always jump at that opportunity because I'm like, if they're willing to email me and say, Hey, can we have, or if they're, it's like they're public, not their publicist, but they're whoever, whoever, handles their their stuff and is like well, hey we want to we've done a documentary we want to have someone on or this we were wondering if you could have so-and-so on or if someone just contacts me themselves and they're uh, a b- bigger name and they're like oh, I'd love to come on your podcast I always want to make myself available for that because it's like that is kind of a big deal to me I'm like wow like these people seen my podcast or see that I have a podcast and want to come on that's cool like let's do it and um I'm all for that. Um, but I'm definitely not the type of person to, or at, at least at this stage in whatever nod squad or whatever, I'm not really going out of my way to like tweet at people and be like, come on the podcast. I tried that a few times and I got a couple bites and then like people kind of that I had tried to hit up were kind of flaky or, who knows, like, for whatever reason, it didn't fall through, and there was a few people I wanted to get on, like, uh, I wanted to have Allie from Dope Sick Nation on, and she messaged me and was down, and then I could never get uh, um, her to reply to the DMs, or, you know, I know Bob Forrest was down, and um, I tried to get Brandon Novak on, and uh, and uh, a bunch of people, um, but it's just, like, such... It's, it's like, that's, I don't know, it's foreign to me getting people on, and, and it's hard, you know, and, you know, I'm glad that you all listen to this, but it's like, mm, I, I I shouldn't do this, but I, in comparison to other bigger podcasts out there, I'm sure people look at my, my you know, I'm proud of my numbers, but I'm sure people look at the numbers and they're like, ugh, like, only so-and-so many people are going to listen to this, like, what's, so I, I'm trying to just, I don't know. It's like even running a podcast, especially running a podcast inside of a rehab has been just a huge challenge for me. <laughs> and I mean, all my friends who are in there, it's like we have nothing better to do than, you know, after program hours, just tell crazy war stories. So it's like, I I think, and, and honestly, like when I'm just vibing and talking with my friends, it's so much, I feel so much more comfortable to like, like have an easygoing conversation with them. And when I'm interviewing someone who like I've never met before, who's bigger, a bigger name person, I get fucking super nervous. And then I try to be professional. I don't know if any of you listening have noticed that when I like, 
<laughs> like when I had Matt on, I, I was trying to keep be as professional as possible because I didn't want to offend anyone or something. Like I, I'm like genuinely trying to do like a professional show. And I think it shows in the recording. And uh, it's I'm just it's it's I'm just more easier going to talk about doing totally debra- debaucherous shit like boofing fucking Molly or fucking you know just doing crazy off the wall shit and uh, I need to get better at that so my apologies but thank you Bryce for the review um, I'm gonna try and keep it a comfortable ratio of having my friends on and then you know I have a couple episodes I need to release with some bigger name people. And hopefully you all enjoy that as well. But anyway, I'm ranting way too fucking long. Let's get into a war story because I haven't told one of my war stories in a while. You know, I've had a lot of friends on and I kind of focused on getting them to talk about their war stories. So let's talk about one of mine. And this is a Christmas war story. So um, let's see. Because I don't have a lot of Christmas war stories that were super crazy. I have a lot of good war stories, but a lot of them don't take time around Christmas because they usually stuck around the house. I mean, I would go out and get loaded, but, uh, you know, I'd stay home for the most part and just shoot up in my room and be close to family, which is like, in hindsight, I'm like, how the fuck did I even keep it together to interact with my family? Totally fucking loaded. So... Let's tell this one. Let me... I gotta vape real quick before I tell this one. Jesus, that coil is burnt. Okay. This Christmas war story is about my first... mm, Not first, but my major arrest uh, during Christmas. So, I was in, let's see, I was in Pasadena, and I was, I guess, technically Altadena. Pasadena and Altadena are right next to each other. Altadena is way more ghetto, uh, you know, um, a lot of gangs at one time resided there, more, mainly the Bloods. I lived right by this apartment complex called The Jungle, and uh, back in the day, you couldn't even you know, go into that apartment complex without safe passage or an invitation from someone on the inside. If you just moseyed on in there, you would not leave. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, crazy shit happened. And I was, uh, you know, I was in this four-bedroom townhouse. I was gr- I, in the downstairs living room area. I had this giant indoor grow-up. And I was, I was working for the... I was managing the dispensary at the time and growing this really good moonshine haze strain and vending to dispensaries and doing all this crazy shit. And, you know, at that time, I was really just smoking weed, but I was also on a methadone maintenance program, and I think I was up to, like, 80 milligrams of methadone on the daily. I think I got a few take-homes a week, um, and it was crazy because... You know, I had to drug test and uh, at the methadone clinic to make sure I didn't test for heroin or this or that. And, um, you know, I gave him my doctor's rec for weed so I could test dirty for weed. Uh, interesting enough, um, at one point in time during my methadone maintenance program, I've been on methadone, 
I've been in the methadone program four times total, two times maintenance, two times 21 day detox. This one was maintenance, so I had been on methadone for quite some time. And apparently, if you smoke copious amounts of weed, um, it somehow breaks up the metabolites of the methadone out of your system very fast. So when I would drug test, um, I wouldn't test positive for methadone. So the clinic thought I was somehow like cheeking my meds and spitting them out and like selling it or, or God knows what. And they had no, they're like, why aren't you testing positive for methadone? We're watching you take your dose. Like, are you selling your take-homes? And I'm like, no. I think they even took away my take-homes after that. And then they literally had to watch me urinate and stare at my dick and watch pee come out of it and test it and be like, oh, he's, we were watching him swallow his methadone and he's still testing negative for methadone and apparently they read this article where like they found out if you smoke a lot of weed you don't test for methadone so then they finally gave me a pass and I mean I was smoking copious amounts of weed I literally was like you know going to our our storefront in Venice and my boss would make me do giant dabs in the back room and then I'd have to run a, a business it was fucking insane you know and edibles and the whole nine so anyway, I'm dating this girl. Um, I won't. Her name was Jael. It was spelled really weird, but because it was like Y A E L, but she's like it's called. It's pronounced Jael, and she was super gorgeous, um, tattooed up, and uh, probably only dating me because I <laughs> had a lot of money and <laughs> and. Uh, just an infinite amount of weed on hand and uh she had flown out from like fucking florida or something and we you know visited me for a couple weeks and then went back home and then we ended up she ended up flying out and staying and living with me and we were dating uh and i'm hiding from her that i'm on methadone so every morning i'd have to sneak out and i'd be like oh i'm gonna go get breakfast do you want anything and she would be sleeping in and I'd go get my methadone and go buy her breakfast. And somehow I was able to pull that off. So we're about to drive up north for the holidays to see my family. And she's coming with me. And um, so I get a bunch of take-homes for methadone. And um, so I, I don't get sick because methadone withdrawals are fucking horrible. Anyway, we're driving on the 101 northbound and we're smoking weed, and we smoke a fat bowl of weed, and I guess someone also on the freeway saw us and called the cops on us, and they're like, they're smoking weed, pull them over. So CHP is behind me, pulls me over in Los Alamos, which, if you don't know, Los Alamos is like fucking all country, all hillsides, just bumfuck nowhere, no houses. So I get pulled over, those cops question me about weed, and I'm trying to keep it together, and I give him my doctor's recommendation, and he pulls me out of the car, does a field sobriety test, and I pass, because I, I mean, I smoked so much weed, it was like, a bowl of flour is nothing to me. Anyway, he's grilling me, and he's like, you know what, what if your boss knew what you were doing right now? And I'm like, dude, I manage two dis delivery dispensaries and a grow-up, like, he makes me smoke weed. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, like if my boss knew, he would just laugh. <laughs> and he, 
So he's like, well, you know what? Just get the fuck out of here. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> so he lets me go. Thank God. And oh, by the way, before we had left L.A., I had to go to the own like there was two owners of these dispensaries. One was um, I think his name was Alex, and one was Oleg, this uh, Russian awesome Russian dude. And Oleg's like, I need you to pick up a bunch of inventory for the shop before you go up north. So I go, you know, before I left L.A., he loads me up with these bags and bags that are full of all this different product of weed. And, you know, for a delivery service, you have to have pre-weighed sacks, like, because it's like, or that's how we did it, at least. We had these little glass jars of eighths, and um, we had little gram dab containers of concentrates and you know because it's like you don't want to just if you're a delivery service you don't want to show up with a pound of weed and weigh it out for someone I mean you can and some dispensaries have bigger mason jars and they weigh it out depending on what you want to buy but we just would weigh out a bunch of eighths like four gram eighths so I have all these like and I mean if in hindsight that's kind of a bust but that's how they did it, and that's how I was just like, all right, that's how we do it. So I, I'm driving up there. I have a trunk full of just a shit ton of weed and methadone take-homes, and I'm just like, well, fuck my life. Anyway, we get up there. We have a great holiday, um, you know, open presents. I think my mom made a custom stock, stocking for my girlfriend, and, you know, I show her all around Central Coast and take her to all the secret beaches and that. And then we are at... Um, we're at this one beach. It was the nude beach in Central Coast. It's called Pirate's Cove. Pirate's Cove is like this beach where nudity is allowed. And so we're up there exploring and smoking. And Oleg, the owner, calls me and he's like, Hey, can you, I know, you know, you're on vacation and all, but can you come down and cover and run the phones um, for the dispensary? Because we have, you know, no one to cover. And, you know, I'm with my family and my kids and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... I, I should have said no, I can't, because he, he was like, it's okay if you say no, you can't. But I was always thinking about those greenbacks. I was thinking about that cash, because he offered me a bunch of money to do it. So I was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. So we stop by, see some friends. You know, we had already had, it's already been like a day or two after Christmas, and we were supposed to leave in a couple days, but we ended up leaving early. We go and see my friends. One last time, smoke weed, and we leave. You know, I'm like, life's good, you know? Fucking, <laughs> I'm I'm making all this money and this and that. And so we're driving southbound on the 101 back into L.A., and I'm about to, you know, I have three fucking cell phones on me because you, I had a, I have a, a burner cell phone for each dis- delivery service I was doing and my galaxy three at the time it was just my, my personal this was many years ago by the way and so it was probably like 2000 i don't know 11 2012 and so we're just about to get into la we're on the part of the 101 where you can get off the freeway and go to malibu on this little back road and i would also always used to get off on this exit because there's these really nice gas stations and i was hungry so i was like let's go stop and get gas and get some food and then we'll get back on the freeway and go to LA. So I do that. I get some food and I get some gas and I miss the on-ramp to get on the freeway. 
And I'm like, oh shit, I have to go turn around. And it's nighttime by this time. Now, unbeknownst to me, there's a fucking cop behind me. And I'm like driving slow and I'm looking around for a place to turn. And he lights me up. Pulls me over and I'm like, well, shit. I'm... But I'm thinking, you know, I'm just gonna. It's it, I've there's been so many times I've been on the road and I've gotten pulled over and I was able to talk my way out of it. Usually every time I get arrested, I I get pulled over and end up getting arrested. I'm always in the mind frame like, oh, it'll be fine, you know, just pull over. I mean, what am I gonna do? Fucking go on a high speed chase? I've done that too, but <laughs> the most part I usually pull over. So. I think everything's going to be fine. So they run, they pull me over and I just told them, yeah, I missed the on-ramp. So I give them my ID, give them all the, you know, registration and proof of insurance and they run my, my background and lo and behold, I have a warrant out for my arrest. Uh, and it was for <laughs> shoplifting. I ended up, I did this thing before I, before I got the job at the dispensary because I was super broke collecting unemployment and um, I would I would go to I was like such a little fucking addict of just thievery even before I was strung out but I was just smoking weed and like drinking and partying and DJing but uh, I would go into like grocery stores just with an empty backpack and fill it with groceries like 50 plus dollars full of groceries you know Starbucks and energy drinks and I'd walk out with just a backpack full of fucking food to eat, to live off of and then from there I would take it one step up I would just go into like you know hardware stores and, and just throw my windbreaker over a giant like box of tools and just walk out with it and the cashiers would look at me like are you fucking for real right now you really are doing this and I'd get away with it and so it was a high in itself just stealing shit, and so uh, months and months prior, I went to a grocery store because I was like, "Dude, I want some energy drinks. I want some like something to eat, and I don't want to pay for it." And uh, I was with my friend Gabe, and I we come out, and I guess those under those secret shoppers, those undercover securities, saw us, and so this chick is standing in front of me and trying to like waving her hands, trying to block me, and I'm I'm thinking, why is she doing this silly dance in front of me? I was so confused, and this guy comes up behind me, puts me in a headlock, and I'm like, oh fuck, Gabe, help me, help me, help, and he's just like, I don't know you, man, and walks away because he's got like pockets full of sandwiches and shit, <laughs> he's, and he gets away and. Then, you know, they call the cops on me, and it was under $20 worth of shit, so they cite and release me, and I have a ticket to appear in court for the shoplifting thing. And when I looked at it, I guess the cop had scribbled the date, the court date, like, just so unlegibly, and I had missed my court date for that, and a warrant was issued for my arrest for a failure to appear for the shoplifting shit. So months later, yeah... I get pulled over and they see this warrant. So they get out of the car, they cuff me, put me in the back. And now they're searching through my car. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't on probation at the time. So I don't know if even if it was a legal search. But in the trunk, they find all the weed that I should have taken back to my house. Because I was holding inventory there and supplying it to drivers. Because we didn't. the delivery dispensaries didn't have a storefront. So I would, in my apartment, have all this inventory. 
But yeah, they find all these dabs, all this weed, all in different separate containers. And they find all my three cell phones and they look through it and see text messages to drivers. And so they think they've caught fucking Pablo Escobar. And I'm like, and they're just grilling me, interrogating me like, you need to talk and tell us who you work for. I'm like, dude, fuck you guys in the backseat of my fucking car. There is all the paperwork and the licensing to operate under a legal dispensary. There's my doctor's rec. I work for a legal dispensary. You guys can go fuck yourself. Sit and spin, you fucking pigs. And so they cuff me, they impound my car, and they take me to jail. You know, don't ever fucking go to Malibu because the cops there are fucking dicks. If you are a local to Malibu, then they'll give you some fucking leeway but if you're an outsider they fuck with you hard so now I'm in jail in a holding cell and um yeah basically uh my girlfriend Jael is sitting in the waiting room trying to call Oleg the owner and be like Brian got arrested oh my god what do we do and the cops are like don't worry we'll give your fucking food to your girlfriend and I'm like she wasn't even hungry can I just eat it I'm I didn't even get to eat my fucking food and I was like god damn it so now I'm in a holding cell all fucking night I've already taken all I think I'd run out of take homes for methadone or maybe they even found them I don't know I think who knows like I don't even know if I got charged with having methadone I mean I don't think I would get charged with it because I'm, you know, I'm illegally allowed to have it. So I don't even know. It was so long ago. Um, yeah, you know what? I think I didn't get charged with it, but or I had empty bottles or something like that. Because I remember I'm in this holding cell all night. It's cold. It's uncomfortable. There's all these industrial sounds I hear, so I can barely sleep. You know, the food is shit. It's like a fucking peanut butter sandwich. And just. I mean, anyone who's been to jail knows those disgusting ghetto peanut butter sandwiches. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to call and use the shitty phone and enter the fucking code to get through. And Oleg, I finally get a hold of my dad and my mom and Oleg, and they're trying to get me bailed out. But the bail bonds place is closed, so I have to wait for the bail bonds place to open the next day. And it's just a complete shit. So so finally, the next morning, and I keep like buzzing like the button to call. It's, it's a holding cell in the local police department. It's not like I'm in actual jail, but I keep talking to the officer like, uh, any word on what's going on? And she's probably just fed up with me. So finally, I get bond paid and I get released and I get picked up by the owners and me and my girlfriend and the owners are driving me back to the house and I'm trying to figure out how to get my car out of impound. But at the same time, I haven't dosed at all. Like, and I'm trying that in that morning. So I'm trying to like, I'm trying to get them to drive me to the methadone clinic to get my dose for the day. But I'm trying not to let them know that I'm going to get methadone because my girlfriend doesn't know I'm on methadone. The owners don't know I'm on methadone. They have no idea that I'm just this recovering junkie on methadone maintenance. And so I'm like, yeah, I, I had a doctor's appointment and I, I need to really go see my doctor. <laughs> and so can you give me a ride? And it's right down the street from my apartment. So they are like, yeah, that's fine. I go 
and, and I, they give me a ride and I try to get into this methadone clinic and I missed the dosing hours, like by a half hour, hour, maybe two hours. doesn't matter. What does matter is I missed my dose for the day. So I'm like, well, fuck. So I go back to my house and I'm just thinking, fuck my life. My car is impounded. I got arrested. All the fucking inventory in my trunk's gone. I know I'm going to get some kind of, I'm going to have to fight this fucking legal battle with the, co- with the courts. And that whole night I'm dope sick on methadone trying to keep it from my girlfriend. She's like, why are you so sweaty? Like, what's going on? And I'm just like super (laughs) depressed. And that was my Christmas week, at least. I mean, I'd already celebrated Christmas, but yeah. Um, Wow, I just remembered another Christmas story, but I will save that for next Christmas, hopefully. (laughs) Um... Anyway, you guys, holy fuck, it's been 40 minutes. Sorry for ranting. Uh, Hope you're all doing good. Um, Hope you're all safe. Had a great holiday. Um, And, you know, please email us, nodsquadpodcast at gmail.com. You know, like our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Give us an iTunes review if you can. Like us on our pod or hosting site, Podbean. And, you know, just if you can, if you're listening and there's anything, anything little that you can do to keep our numbers up and keep us more relevant, you know, we haven't gotten an email, by the way, you guys, in a little while. So, hey, out there, shoot us an email. I would love it. And I'll read all the other emails that people have sent. If you've sent an email already and I haven't read it, my apologies. Um, but this is my last or latest phone interview with our uh, beloved uh, semi-absent uh, co-host Ryan. Um, we're trying to get him back on to co-host regularly with me. Um, but obviously, like I want to make sure he's doing good. And I mean, you guys can understand, like, if he's out there getting loaded, I just am not feeling in a comfortable place to be exposing myself to that. Even if he's not, like, you know, shooting up in front of me or, you know, offering me drugs, I just, it'd make me, I don't know how I would feel about being around someone loaded, because obviously I've known him long enough to where I can tell if he's high. And maybe one day, who knows, like, what if I'm feeling, like, weak, and I'm like, yeah, give me some drugs, like... I know my manipulative ass can self-seek my way into getting loaded. So it's like, I kind of need to talk to him over the phone and see where he's at and um, see if he's in a good place. Um, From what I've heard, he's doing much better. Um, But in this one, he kind of talks about what caused him to go out after getting out of inpatient. And there's some crazy fucking stories he tells. So, you know, Ryan, if you're listening, I love you. Just be safe. Don't die. All of you don't die out there. You know, be safe. Um, And if you ever need someone to talk to, you can always hit me up. I, you know, I have my Brian Unc Albert troll account on Facebook. You can message me on there too. Um, And so that's it. I've ranted for long enough. So with that, I'm getting the fuck out of here. It's late. I love you guys. And as always, peace, love, and all the above.
Hello. What's up? What's up? Are we recording now? We are. Welcome back to the wow. podcast, sir. It's been a while. Right. You know, I know. I know when we're recording, if it's over the phone, because your your phone voice is uh, just slightly different uh, when you answer when we're recording and when we're not. How so? I have to. Know. You get. I don't know. You get your little radio twang going. <laughs> your little personality comes out. I can hear it. Yeah. Well, I'm tired as fuck, so I've been just chugging caffeine and like trying to get. You know, you gotta have like you gotta be like vocalists or boisterous oh, yeah. or whatever the fuck that word is. Yeah. Know. Yeah. You know what? That's funny. I've been, I feel like I, I find myself at a loss for words a lot these days and it's really frustrating because I feel like I'm getting like uh, Alzheimer's or something. No, you're like, not. I like, no, I just, I just feel like the holes in my brain. I, I feel that drugs is apt on um, several vocabulary words from, from my memory. I know. I I need like massive stimulants to like even be able to like speak right. And now that yeah. I'm clean off drugs, like the only socially acceptable one I can uh, consume is caffeine. So yeah, caffeine's really insane though. Because honestly, like it's it's uh it's it fucking sucks because you could do too much. Like when I was doing speed, I could smoke dope all day, you know, and I, it was just kind of level off at a point. But with fucking caffeine, man, you just it like it'll just keep it'll keep amping you more and more and more. It seems it's too much. Like you, okay. So you know how um, Jesse was down at the house and you bought him that uh, that uh, pre workout post workout shaker cup. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, self seeked my way into obtaining that. Um, okay. because he didn't want to, he didn't want to wash it one day and he threw it in the trash. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? That's like, a f- I told him that was going to happen. I told him, <laughs> I said, bro, this thing, I said, you can have it if you want it because I'm tired of washing it. I said, unless you're going to like wash it religiously, it's, it's really a pain in the ass. Yeah. So he was like, Oh, I didn't wash it one day. And I was like, uh, I want that. I'll wash it. So I went yeah. down in the kitchen and washed it out and I've been using Wait, it. You threw it in the trash. What's up? You just threw it in the trash because it was dirty? Yeah. What a lurp dick, dude. <laughs> and so yeah. now it's all clean and I use it. And uh, every morning I fill the pre part with pre workout because it's got caffeine, but then I'll just fill the post workout with coffee <laughs> and then I'll just drink both nice. of those. Yeah, that's, I'm not, a, that's, that's insane, dude. I know, dude. I'm a fuckhead, dude. I I drink Bang energy drinks and oh, the Bangs are the best, bro. The Bangs are so good. As in the best, you mean worst? Because like I now have to chug coffee just to avoid a fucking headache from caffeine. It's in- oh yeah, no, that is bad. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I it's it's so funny what you get hooked on when you when you're in like a, a program, especially especially when you're around a bunch of other guys and you're all kind of you're all trying to find something that will work as, as uh, even a slight substitute for the just fucking copious amounts of drugs you were doing before. Yeah, I'm filling and the void with everything. yeah, chain vaping, bang energy drinks, and uh, attention because I'm not allowed to be in a relationship apparently, which is bullshit. But hey, you know I get it, I guess. But you know, I, I don't know. I mean. That's a, that's a, it's not a silly rule though, because there are a lot of guys in that program that will like, they are only there for their, for their girl. You know what I mean? So if they don't, if their girlfriend breaks up with them or cheats on them while they're in the program, then they're fucking out of there. They go to a homeless shelter slash rehab solely for hooking up with girls. (laughs) 
Well, no, no, I'm saying, no, no, if they're in a relationship when they get there. Oh, like, yeah. No, but there are a lot of dudes. I mean, that's not what the guys go there for, but I'm sure you've seen already that there's a bunch of guys willing to dirt back some homeless chicks. Dude, I was just about to say that. Yeah, I see dudes will be serving the homeless, and they'll be like... Checking them out, dude, all that. like, you're, they haven't showered in, like, God knows when. You're, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Hey. Stank ass pussy dude, like I guess I don't know. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, stank ass genitalia all around of all genders. Yeah. Like it, the I people just, that come in there, I love the homeless, right? I love the homies, but when they come in there and you you can clearly smell shit, and you know that somebody's walking around like with shit just in their booty or on the, all over <laughs> their legs, you know, you just dude, like, have you had that experience yet? Oh, I mean, it's summer, so it's uh, usually yeah. a hot oh, it's day, hot. and it's like, hot yeah, I spray bleach right on the seats every time afterwards when I'm on work crew because, um, oh, that's smart. You know, it's like I love the homeless too. I just, I also love pleasant smelling odors, and as opposed Man. to poop smelling ones. I mean, I, I mean, I get it. You're a roam in the streets. Most places don't have a public restroom. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I feed my yeah, heart but goes I mean, we're kind of barbed. They definitely make public restrooms a lot more accessible to people than they do in, like, San Francisco. Like, in San Francisco, they almost have to poop on the street. It just, You're, just, yeah, dude, I've, every person I've talked to who was like, I just got back from San Francisco, I'm like, did you see homeless people shitting in the streets? And they were like, yep. yeah, I did, actually, and there were I syringes was, everywhere. Uh, there was, uh, I believe I, I was hearing somewhere, I may be wrong, I, I, there's an app on, on uh, that you can get that actually tells you where the minefields are up in San Francisco. Like if somebody comes across a pile of poop and they like, you know, pin it on this app and then <laughs> you can get on this map and you'll see where all the poop is. So you can try to avoid it because there's, there's like a serious problem with, with people coming across human feces in the roads up in San Francisco. It's like how progressive ha do you have to be in San Francisco where you're just okay with shit all over your streets? Like, I don't, right? I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> it's it's weird. Yeah. But, um, it's almost like that Waze app where they pin where there's cops so you can avoid, like, where you drive. And... I actually had the first experience with that the other day where, like, my app notified me that there was a speed trap ahead, and I was really grateful. I was like, that's <laughs> that's useful as fuck, dude. I, man, yeah. that, that's the kind of shit that could potentially save and prevent somebody from ever having to do drug court. Can you imagine? <laughs> Well, just, I mean, just knowing, just knowing ahead of time, like one block, like knowing that there's a cop, you know, a quarter mile ahead could make the could change your entire life. Well, and the police, uh, the law enforcement actually contacted that company and they're like, you need to take that down. We don't want uh, civilians to know where we're set up and stuff. And it's like, oh, well, freedom and freedom of uh, information, bitch, you know, like, what are you going to do? Like. Yep. You know, we have... And it's not right anyways. I mean, that's why they can't hide. Um, that's why they can't hide out of plain sight. They have to be visible uh, when they're doing their their little their little traps and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, ugh. my favorite like, that's thing. I find billboards. Not that we have billboards at ground level anymore, but they can't do that thing that they used to do. Oh yeah, know? hide behind the fucking ground level billboards. I mean, they find yeah. their. They'll find their. They'll find a bush to park their Where car Where do they behind. even have ground-level billboards? That must have been a thing in the 20s and 30s. Like, there's no way that we have any 
Last time I saw a ground level billboard was like on a Blues Brothers movie from like the eighties or something. Yeah. 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 So what's up with you, man? What the fuck? I haven't had an actual phone conversation with you for a hot minute. I mean, I did get. Well, I, I I keep flip flopping, man, and so I just I'm not trying to like I so I, I can't go. I don't feel comfortable going around the mission until um, I, I I even even when I'm when I'm like in a state of clean being clean, I still don't want to go down there just because I still haven't like gained all my weight back and like the, the staff there is all used to seeing me like healthy and, and I just don't want to go there and, and fucking have to take shit or anything. But I keep forgetting that the group of guys that was there when I was there, that all, you know, we all, you know, give each other shit, especially when somebody was fucking around. Yeah. They're all gone. I keep forgetting that. Like everybody with you is new to me. I don't know. I'm from Adam. So when, is really it, when you say gone as in they've gone back out and relapsed. No, I just mean that they're either graduated the program or that, you yeah. know, um. but, uh, I mean, I can let you know. Like, I was there with Freddie uh, when, you know, your kitchen manager. Wait, what's that? You said running the kitchen now, right? Yeah. Freddie's moved back up to Santa Maria to be with his family. He's running the kitchen now. Which Yeah, is... so I was in the program with See, if I, you know, if I went there right now, Freddie would be like, oh, oh, you know, probably give me some shit, which whatever i don't really care that much but honestly i don't think anyone would give you shit they'd be happy to see you you know like yeah. i think it's just in your head like i i'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. like dylan and all those people would love to see you like reach out to them you know um but you know i know what you mean where it's like all this gossip like um you know Oh, so and so got kicked out. Oh, so and so relapsed. It's almost just like drug court, where people gossip about people giving sanctions and stuff. And uh, yeah. well, here's the deal, man. I think it's it's sad. It is sad because we all, on one hand, care about each other a lot, you know. And 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 so when somebody goes out, it's kind of disappointing, you know. You, you naturally you're going to be upset. You're like, man, you kind of put you invest some, you know, some belief into everybody, and and you want, you know, because. Because you're clean, and so when you get used to all these other people being clean, that's your little, that's your clean group, right? So when one person goes out, you start thinking, you you realize, like, there's a mortality to the group, you know? Mm-hmm. You start realizing that the whole group isn't going to always stay clean, and that that you could be one of those those people. And so, I don't know, I think that we, when we're talking, I don't want to say talking shit, but when we're gossiping and whatnot, it's kind of a, it's like a defense mechanism. Because we feel like, okay, if we just, like, talk enough shit on it uh then we won't start doing that ourselves well yeah i think it makes me like when i see people go out it makes me question my own um determination to like stay sober yeah exactly because so many i mean there's been like i can only i can actually remember at least 14 people that have either left or gotten kicked out since i started and i'm like four and a half almost five 14 people yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. I feel like that's more than what. Dude, we went. Um, we went five months without losing anybody. Really? And then we started. No, no. Maybe it wasn't five months. I think it was. Yeah, it was four months. And then we lost six people. We lost uh, six people in that one morning. It was Black Monday. That's what we called it. That's when Rai Rai and and all of them got booted. Oh yeah. And, uh, and that Brendan was and everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Brendan was there yeah, when Brendan got uh, he was there when I got there the first time, and he told me that whole story about how rough it was on the streets when he went out. 
Yeah. And oh, then, yeah. And then he got kicked out again um, yeah. with two other people. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I think Brendan. Do they even know that? Yeah, back to Maine. Yeah, back to Maine. And then they let back um, they let back the other two dudes that uh, they all they all went out together. They all used in the house. And then um, why would you want to get high and in, in a rehab? I wouldn't want to be at at the place. I would be so, so paranoid. I'd be so yeah. It would be the most uncomfortable fucking trying to hide it and stuff. And do the- Brendan explained to me. Brendan told me that when he he told me how it happened, and he told me that he got so spun out. That he couldn't, he was at that point where he couldn't talk or anything. Oh, his and eyes he was, were bug-eyed, dude. Dude, he told me he was on a sick one. And then he, and I started imagining, like, it started churning my stomach when I imagined what he went through. Like, like Ugh. being in the room, right, and, and being up all night, just so sprouts out. And then knowing that the clock is ticking towards that time where you have to walk downstairs and face everybody. For roll call? Yeah. Oh, For roll that. call. Yeah. And then he told me, like, dude, as he's giving me the play-by-play, I'm just getting, like, sicker and sicker to the, to the like, it, it, you know? And then he he just explains to me how he sat there at roll call and how Gabe and Wes, like, and Letty called him out. And I'm like, no, dude. And they're yeah, like, all giving him the look and shit? Like, fuck, dude. Were no. you there when they called him out? Uh... I don't, I mean, no, I wasn't, I don't remember that, but I remember, uh, having breakfast and then, cause they, the three of them went downstairs way too early. They usually sleep the fuck in. So the, yeah. automatically something's up when you're like, it's quarter till 5am and you're going down to the fucking dining hall. Like something's right. up. Pulling some, up the table early, turning on the TV. Yeah. Something's up. So uh, I saw him packing their shit and then I, I gave Brendan a hug goodbye and his eyes were just so huge. Like I was Fuck. like, Whoa. It, it, and that was the one time people got discharged where it was like, it blew me away. I was like, Holy shit. Cause I was still only there for like a month and a half, maybe not even two mm-hmm. months. So I was like, Holy shit. And, yeah. um, we had a dude in who was, uh, this really old, like this really old dude. And, uh, I'm pretty sure he was like slanging dope to the homeless people because, oh. when, yeah, it was we there there it had to have been because like, uh, you know how they were doing construction and renovations on the the building, uh-huh. well they had yeah. all these porta potties out in the parking lot for construction workers and he'd be in a porta potty with a homeless person like a homeless dude what? and it's like what? What? <laughs> yeah it's like why are you and a homeless man what? hanging out inside a single <laughs> stall porta potty and then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so then, um, you know, he, he uh, the homeless dude would like because I could see it from the TV room. I'd be like, okay, a homeless dude just went out, uh, walked out of that porta potty. Wait, was everybody like watching this happen? Well, yeah, if me and a few of the guys were watching, and then he, <laughs> oh, oh, no. he, homeless guy walks out, and then this dude, this resident of rehab, walks out, and then like he'd walk up to Dylan and Steph and be like, hey, I think that homeless dude's trying to steal a bike or something, just like trying to make up some excuse. But then. Yeah, and then uh, we'd be going to church at Calvary, and he'd have, like, all these – he'd came up on all these shoes that were, like, two sizes too big for him. And it's like, oh, where'd you get those shoes? And it's like, oh, oh, you're you're fucking doing trades with the homeless. Like, wh- why don't you just buy a pair of shoes that are your size? <laughs> like, yeah. Obviously, a homeless guy was just like, oh, I got these shoes, man. And he's like, oh, well, they're two sizes too big, but they're really tight. I'll wear them. <laughs> and it was just so yeah. weird. But, yeah, he ended up leaving. He gave – he – 
there's this there was this kid who when he was there this other kid who got kicked out later but it was like this 22 year old kid who was like bullying a 65 year old man and the, so the the dude gave uh, one of the staff an ultimatum like either he leaves or I leave and they're like oh well yeah. then you you can just leave then like we're not gonna fucking you know like it was just so yeah. weird, so bizarre um, no yeah a bunch of like you know um, Brad uh, got discharged oh for uh, what. Uh, he almost uh, got in a fight with Jordy in the dining hall. And made this big old scene, oh. huge fight. Like, dude, like they were. He was gonna. He wanted to go outside and fight him, and he was like, hey, "Brad was like, I don't give a fuck about my recovery, and blah blah blah." And um, uh, two members of staff uh, uh, were trying to block him, and he was like doing, trying to do this like NFL like spin around to get past him and get to Jordy. <laughs> He's trying to do a pick and roll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that happened, and then a hammer got discharged. Uh, I don't think I knew Hammer. Oh, uh, he was the really older dude. Um, yeah, a bunch of people just like, was that, was it, wait, 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 wait. Is Hammer the name that you guys ended up giving him, or was that a name that he had coming into the play? That was his. That was an. I don't know. It was his nickname. <laughs> But it sounds like some shit you guys would come up with. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love the nicknames at that place, dude. Everybody uh, called me Renee. My name was Renee the whole time I was there because I would do my hair every day, and so everybody would always make fun of me for always trying to be all, like, looking good, you know? So they just started making fun of me, calling me a girl. That's stupid. Oh, I mean, I'm my fan. Fem- no, it was funny, though. It was all in love, dude. Like, we were really, really bad with each other, but it was all, like, it was all in fun, you know? Like we really didn't have anybody fight uh, too much. I think we had we had this crazy black guy that that moved in. He was living with Brad. He tried to fight Brad and yeah. he got kicked out. But he I was know, like, they actually he did was, fight. Yeah, like I mean that dude was crazy. But like with all the like shit that we gave each other, um, the group of guys I was with, we were really it was all in fun. You know what I mean? And like people yeah. would get offended and butter, but nobody really got to the point of wanting to fight. But Jordy's a little fucked though. I could see Jordy pissing somebody off to the point of wanting to fight, but at the same time, Jordy's a really cool cat too. Like I love the dude. Yeah, I almost got in it. Uh, in it. I got into it with him one time because uh, I was on produce when we were still in the old building, and I was like super tired. I'm not used to getting up early in the morning. You know this. I'm not a morning yeah. person, and so I'm just like, and I just look, and I'm trying to chop vegetables and like not cut off my own finger. And I look, and I'd always see him in the dining hall, and he was just eyeballing me. So I was, like, staring right back, and I'm like, why is this dude staring at me? Yeah, and, he's and, a weird, he's kind of strange. Well, we all thought he was gay when he first moved in, because he was doing <laughs> that all the time. Seriously, he was, he would, I, I was like, I would tell people, I'm like, is this world checking me out right now? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, he was eyeballing me, and, I'll, and then, like, I'm like, why is he staring at me like this? And then uh, he walked up and he's like, hey, I don't like that look you gave me. I'm like, dude, I just woke oh. I woke up. This is my morning. I'm fucking not awake face. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is your problem? And he's like, and he was trying to order me around. Like, dude, don't stare at me. I was like, dude, fuck off. I'm doing what I want. And then he was just like yeah. saying something. Like and then uh, uh, one of the uh, fucking, I, it's hard for me to not say names, but uh, yeah. a bunch of people saw it. And I'm like, well, then do. I, was, I got all worked up. I was like, then do something about it, Jordy. Fucking do something about it. <laughs> And then he backed down finally. I'm like, dude, I'm like, I don't know, dude. I was like, I was pissed. Not I, about it. Yeah, dude. I, I was a little dickhead when I first got there. I was like talking mad. Sh- not like, I was like not talking shit like maliciously, but I was just like, dude, there's just some. You're going through it. 
You know, you, yeah. dude, you're not really, you're not really like in your right mind until you're at least two or three months in. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty rough the first four weeks. Even if it's, even if you're like done with the withdrawals and everything, like, dude, you're, you're waking up every morning and you're going, oh, okay, am I, am I gonna really be able to do this for, for another year? I thought that every day, bro. I'd wake up and I'm like, ah, do I really want to do this for another year? Can, can I really like? stand to do it took a long time till i actually felt at home but yeah. there was a point where i where i actually felt at home and, and i enjoyed being there and i and i will be honest with you i miss the place all the time like i think back on on those days that i was there and i i'm like wow that actually really was like a, a really good time in my life I, I really was happy living there not just because i was clean but just i you know it actually became a home yeah, no, it feels like home. And, and um, you know, I think the first 30 days were always the roughest because you can't sign out or leave the yeah. place at all unless you go to a meeting. And even then it's like, so it's like I was going crazy my first 30 days. You didn't like, have you didn't have any other like guys in their first 30 days with you, did you? Or I mean, I mean the, really? like a week, a week apart, kind of. Uh, so yeah. it was like a lot of watching movies and just getting out to go to a meeting and this and that. But like. I mean, I tested dirty for weed when I first got there. So, uh, oh, yeah. you didn't know, even let you go to meetings. Well, that first one of staff was like, you can't go to meetings. But then I talked to my tracker and I was like, uh, um, this is bullshit. I should be able to go to meetings. Like, And then I finally got approved for that. But now it's like I can sign out and just go about my day and like do things outside of there to get some sanity. Because sometimes I just I'm like, dude, I need to get the fuck out of this place for even an hour or so. You know, um, cause it's yeah. like, dude, all work and no play. It just fucking burns me yeah. out. Like it's insane. Yeah. Um, you know, you program all day. It's like, uh, it, I was almost never there. Okay. So I was the clerk. So I was constantly, um, I honestly, I took full advantage of, of having medical. I wouldn't make appointments to, I went to the dentist and got all my fillings, to, which was a lot. So I was, I had like 10 dentist appointments the whole time I was there. So I missed a lot of group, uh, a lot of, days for that and when i would go out for my dentist appointments i would leave in the morning and i wouldn't return till after program hours were basically over and i did that all the time i think they've cracked down on that a little bit though haven't oh, they oh yeah totally yeah yeah they make you uh take a uh like a sheet with you and the doctor has to sit like sign what time you oh, left yeah. i did all that but i would always just tell them that like i didn't have a bus token or you know i I walked, you know, I don't know, like, I would, they were, they were, they were okay with me not coming home right away, like, if I had to run some other errands, like, go to Rite Aid and get some stuff or whatever, they didn't care. They kind of cracked down on that since then, but it's okay. like, yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it's definitely been an experience, like, it's weird, like, still, but, like, I'm kind of more acclimated to the routine of it all, and I'm, like, on good terms with staff, at least now, I mean, uh, yeah. I did get caught with my secret cell phone and it was fucked too yeah. because that the day I got caught with my phone, I was literally going to go get a PO box that day. I was like, oh, right, I'm going to sign out because I, you need two forms of ID, which and I'd finally gotten some, a second form of ID. And so mm. I was like, all right, I'm going to sign out and do this. But then I got snitched out some by somebody, I don't know who, but, um, and then yeah, people get jealous. People, people straight snitch on you just because they're jealous that you're getting away with something and they're not. Oh, yeah, for sure. I see it all the time. Um, you know, like I see people get put on relationship contracts and, and 
because everyone's good. Like, dude, people, that's the one thing I see the most of is, is the gossip. Like it's fucking yeah. insane. That's the thing. And the guy that you think, the guy that you really believe in your heart of hearts is like the furthest from being the one to be the one that snitches is the guy that's fucking like running his mouth every fucking time he's talking to a counselor. I promise yeah, you. Yeah. So I just keep, I was as the clerk, I would be in the office all the time. And, like, a guy would come in that was, you know, solid fucking homie, right? Like, everybody in the house was like, oh, yeah, this dude doesn't, you know, he doesn't fucking, he doesn't talk, right? And and I'd be in the, he would come in to talk to somebody, and I wouldn't even, he wouldn't know that I'm in there. And i just, like, eavesdrop and hear home, homeboy fucking spilling the beans on people or just, or just saying oh. way more than he needs, like, volunteering information that never needs to be volunteered. Yeah. Yeah. I'd just be like, wow, bro. Like, you know, I started really, I, I started realizing that the guys that you think are snitching are actually, because everybody thinks they're snitching, are too afraid to snitch. So they don't yeah. do it. No, and it, yeah, I just been minding my business. I mean, I, I catch myself seeing, like, I, I have gossiped about people to other residents, and I catch myself, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, because you're just, like, caught in this whole fucking environment. Yeah. But yeah, it's it like, is. If if someone's blatantly breaking the rules, I'm not. I'm like, who the fuck am I? Like, I was like, they they give you just enough rope to hang yourself with here. They're, they'll eventually get caught, and I don't need to yeah. fucking control that situation. So yeah, I don't know. Oh, dude, like Gay David, the the, the sixty five year old gay dude that I was in there with. <laughs> he in this before he even hit second phase, he had gotten himself a, a weekend like day job uh, under the table up the street at this car wash, and like the car wash knew that, you know, like they, they basically knew that he wasn't allowed to be working. So they were very flexible with his hours and he started working. And like, I, he only told me and like one other person at first and cause we were his roommates and like, we didn't care, but we told him, we said, bro, you really should like, I understand you need to, you know, you have to start making money or whatever, but if you're going to do this, wait till you're later on because they will find you, they will find out. And he's like, oh, yeah. no, no, I'll keep it tight. And dude, he, he, kept it together he didn't get caught until the week before he was supposed to phase up to, to fourth phase oh. and then he got caught working yeah and, and he got kicked like, out I told you. yeah i'm like i told you dude i told you you were gonna get caught it's just it's like you live in santa barbara and you're working at a car wash like somebody from outside the program somebody that goes to the meetings or like one of the sober living house dudes like steve he's gonna come through and get their car wash which is what happened steve he came through and fucking told on him yep it's like the fellowship down there is so big and so strong. They'll see you walking around state street, whether yeah. you're, you know, you're with a girl or on your phone and then uh-huh. they'll just, just tell straight tell. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, I'm not even like, and not only that, like even if you're getting away with it in the moment, like even when I had my phone, I was looking over my shoulder all the time and paranoid all the time. I was like, this is barely oh, not yeah. even worth it, dude. Like, you know, so yeah. it's whatever, but Oh, so I want to get into, if you're willing to talk about it, what what happened, you know, around March when uh, you when went uh, out. Well, yeah, when you went out. I want to hear that story because you were telling me about it a little bit, and it sounded fucking insane. Well, okay, so I don't recall. Well, okay, no, I do recall. Okay, let me let me just give you a quick play by play. It was really. Um, the, the whole idea of, of relapsing or, like, you know, the thoughts of, of using again started to come probably, okay, I left in April, yeah, so 
I don't think I relapsed in March. I think I relapsed. Yeah, I did. I did. I relapsed near the end of March. Man, I didn't even make it out 60 days, I don't think. Anyways, so I stopped going to the meetings, right, and um, didn't stay close with the guys that I had left the program with because we all had started working full-time and whatnot. So I, you know, was living here, renting, paying rent, and I working and doing, uh, yeah, just working all the time. And so uh, I didn't have any, like, social life outside of, of that. And uh, I think that played a big part in it. So, um, but, you know, I just, one day at work, I was, uh, I have one of these moments at work where I just did not feel, I wasn't happy with where my life was. Okay. And it's it simply because I was comparing myself to, to, you know, living in Santa Barbara, there's a lot of fucking rich people here. And there's a lot of young rich people or, yeah, young people that have their parents' money. Yeah, born into wealth. In. Yeah, they're born into wealth, you know. Well, and, and, and like, and there's a couple of people that just do really well for themselves and they're young. And like, I see that and it would bug me because I, like, I know my potential and I have a lot of ambition. I've always been very ambitious. And so even though I'm, I made a lot of progress in my life up until that point, like I would compare myself to these, to these cats that, you know, were my age that were driving the Mercedes that, you know, or maybe paying a mortgage or they have their wife and a kid and they're like, living the life that I, after getting clean, realized I wanted to have. And I, you know, I never in the past thought about like, oh man, it would be really nice to have a wife and a kid, or it would be great to, you know, like have, be in my career already. I didn't think on those terms until I got clean. So I would, I kind of, you know, would beat myself up for, for that um, at times. And I wouldn't talk to anybody or tell anybody that I was having those feelings. So it would just kind of, you know, build up inside of me. And, uh, yeah, one day I, I got that, I had that feeling pop up and I, and I thought to myself, man, you know, like I never thought, like, I never cared when I was, when I was using, you know, like it would be, it would be nice to take like a weekend and just get high and kind of forget about these feelings for, for, for a weekend, you know? And I, and I'm like, no, you can't think like that. It's not going to happen. You know, you're going to use more than that. Right. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it started coming up, the thoughts started coming up more and more. And I started convincing myself, you know, no, you're, you're really aware of this problem like you realize that if you use more than the weekend you're going to be fucked so you, you could do it you can do it you know totally like the atypical cliche fucking thought process right like yeah. we all know we all know those thoughts we all know it's bullshit and yet we fucking when it starts happening we, we fall for it well that's what happened and so one day i just like made the decision like i'm gonna get high today and once that happened like like, and that decision was made in the morning, right, when I got to work. And so I had a full eight hours to think about this decision. And I did. It kept, like, I was flip-flopping all day. I'm like, okay, wait, no, I'm not going to use it. That's stupid. I'm going to go throw away all of my health, my all of this progress. I'm going to, you know, spend all this money I saved. I played the whole tape through, and I knew what was going to happen. And then, and then the next hour, I'd be like, nope, nope, I, it sounds good. I'm going to do it. I'll be careful. And then the next hour, no way, I'm not going to do it. Well, at the end of the day, I, mean, I was like, nope, it's going to happen. I'm doing it. And, and I just did it, dude. And I, I made the phone call, and I drove all the way up to Paso Robles to, to pick up. Fuck. And um, Yeah, I know, right? So I had, I had like another two hours to think about it. And, and, and I was looking at what I was doing. I was like, this is crazy. I'm going to drive two hours to get dope. And I fucking did, dude. And then like, that first half was, was really good. 
okay? Uh-huh. And I had a good time, and I did it, and I finished it up in like three or four days. And uh, I had only bought a gram, and I went through it, and like I didn't feel any withdrawals coming on. Um, I didn't really feel like uh, I wanted to use more. Uh, you know, I, when the sack was over, I was like, okay, cool, the sack's gone. I didn't trip. But then, like, I don't know what it was, like, the day after that, um, I was like, ah, I kind of just want, like, a little bit more, you know? And yeah. that's mm-hmm. when I got in touch with my buddy up in, that I had been in the program with that knew a guy here in town. And I got in touch with this guy, and, and that's when, and this guy that I got in touch with lives literally one block up the street from me. Like, oh, shit. Fucking, I could see his house. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I didn't. And he's like, and this cat's got tons of money. He was a trust fund, or not trust fund kid, but yeah, kind of. He got like a big inheritance, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm pretty sure. Um, at least a quarter mil, maybe more, but, and wow. he's our age. And so he is just sitting on his ass all day buying piece after piece after piece of like fire shit. And uh, I get in touch with him and I go meet him. And he likes me, you know, uh, we, we connect and he fucking starts selling me, um, grams for $50, dude. What? And yes, yes. And Holy it's, shit. Packed, it's packed full of fentanyl and I am getting so fucking high that I'm coming home and doing a shot and I would do a shot in the morning. Okay. I'd wake up after eight hours of solid sleep. I'd do a shot and I'd fall, I'd fucking nod out. For um, about another eight hours straight, just knock out and then wake up, um, you know, think about, oh, I'm hungry. You know, it's eight hours later. It's the middle of the day. I'm like, okay, I'm hungry. I, I need to eat. I'll just do a shot really quick and I'll get some food. So I do another shot. And instead of eating, I fucking nod back out, bro, oh, for, another, for another five or six hours. By that time, I'm waking up and it's 10 o'clock at night and I got to work at six in the morning. So... Do another shot. Go back to sleep. Wake up at six. Wake up at five in the morning to go to work. And I'm like, at this point, I'm totally dehydrated. Yeah. Totally hungry. And and I'm not realizing that. Like I'm not thinking about the fact that I just went 24 hours without food or water. And uh, um, I do another shot, dude. And then I try to eat maybe and and go to work. And I just was like felt so horrible like just viciously sick right so i get to work and i'm trying to operate but this fentanyl is so strong that while i'm at work like you you know how it feels when you're on a real like when you're really high on opiates and like you just yeah you all you can do is sit there and you can't you don't you feel nauseous walking around and and moving right you've had that before of course well, I'm, I'm getting that, you know, where, like, I know I'm just pale white, right? And I'm walking around the restaurant, and I'm just, I can't, I couldn't do it. So that's when I started calling out sick. But I had two jobs, so I'm like, uh, when I'm not worried, you know, I'm calling out sick. I'm calling out sick from both jobs every day at this point because I would call out sick. I'd go, I mean, I'd stay home and just do the, repeat that same process, dude. We're sleep all day, fucking eat almost nothing, drink basically no water and just keep that cycle going until the sack was gone. Cause I was buying like a three pack at a time. So there was a point where I came to, uh, 
I don't know, like I had like a moment of clarity and I, and I really believed in my heart of hearts that it was a, like a Tuesday. Uh, let's just for the sake of argument, let's just say I thought it was like June 2nd, right? And I look at my phone and it's June 14th. Oh my God. And I'm like, oh my God, how did this time go by? And like that, all that time went by where I just, I didn't even bother calling out sick anymore. I just stopped showing up. Fuck. And so, yeah, I've lost my jobs, you know, and, um, but I had this fucking, I had $5,000 and I had about, yeah, $5,000 in savings. Uh-huh. And I had about $1,500 in my checking account. I had, I had a bunch of money sit, I was sitting on. And so getting $50 a gram, I'm not spending that much money. And, uh, I just did. I just lived off my fucking savings and it just bought fucking copious amounts of black for, for months, for like a month or about two months there. Until I, I, I don't know how, dude, honestly, my, it was such a blur time-wise. I don't know how long it was until I decided to actually get clean again. You were only doing black? You weren't doing any meth? Oh, uh, no, I, I, started, I started doing, I started doing meth again, too, but not as much. Like, because I realized that it's when I do meth and heroin, that's when I start picking at my face and everything. And that's one thing that I, I just refused to do. And, and I got a little bit picked out when I, when I first relapsed and when I, when I lost all that weight, that's when I really like went out because I lost all motivation to even try to get healthy because I couldn't believe that I, I did. I'd spent all year at the mission eating like not a strict diet, but eating a lot of food and, and working out religiously. You know how I am, bro. Yeah. Like I got extremely on top of my game health wise. I was in the absolute, I mean, I was at the absolute best shape I've ever been in. And, and I was still, like, getting healthier. You know what I mean? Like, I was just getting in even better shape at that time. And then it all just disappeared when I fucking got high, dude. And my body just ate that up. And I lost all those gains. And then I got really depressed about that. So I just kept using then over that. And it was just, dude, it was... It, and mind you, what do you notice in the story, right? What am I... What are you hearing? Like, like, you're not hearing me talk about using with anybody. Like, I'm not running around like we used to or doing, like... I don't know, hanging out with a bunch of people. Yeah, you're just getting high by yourself in your room. I'm alone. Yeah, dude, I'm alone. It's so scary. Like, I'm so lucky I didn't overdose, bro. So lucky. Yeah, you are. I mean, I mean, I'd have, I had days where I'd, uh, where I'd wake up and like my leg would be bent and completely numb because I cut off the circulation to it. And like, you know, I know people that have lost limbs because they've done that and like they have to get it amputated because they kill their leg or their arm. Jesus. And, like, that shit would happen, man. I'd wake up and my leg would be so numb that, like, it would not just... I didn't even tingle, right? But I'd try to stand up and then, like, my leg would give up because I couldn't... I could not, like, operate it. And then and then over, like, a, a half an hour, it would start tingling finally. And then it would, like... It was, like, a painful tingle. And then it would, you know, come back to life. And I, But, oh, my God, it was crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that... That makes so much sense because I would be uh, at inpatient and then you came by a couple times to see me and you're doing good. And then slowly I was like, okay, it's really hard to get a hold of Ryan. Uh-huh. And then um, then I started hearing all this shit. Diego. Diego's the one. Yeah, because my coworker t- told Diego that he saw me drinking at work, which is funny because – I got caught. I got caught using before I even really went out on the black, dude. Like that, uh, that stupid coworker of mine 
talking to Diego. I, he wasn't telling on me, but I don't think he realized that like I like it was supposed to be a complete secret from Diego that I had been drinking. Yeah. And he mentioned it to Diego, and then Diego, that's what I think that's when you heard, right? When Diego told Dylan. Well, there was that, and then um, I had gone on a even before that, I had gone on a day pass, and you were supposed to have lunch with me and my family. And you were saying, like, you were doing uh, that, like, competitive rowing. I don't know the exact name for that. Yeah, outrigger, yeah. Yeah, we were doing that. And then you had said uh, your boat tipped over. And you yes, sw- and I got really sick. And that you yes. swallowed a bunch of harbor water and got dude, sick. I'm still, dude, I'm still telling people that, that bullshit story here in <laughs> town. Because uh, certain people I can't have, you know? Of course. can't know. Yeah, no, and I I'm get still, it. I'm still, I'm still rattling off that story, bro. It's so stupid. I hate, I hate getting stuck in dumbass lies like that that I have to live with. No, I get it, but like you, I, that I actually bought. I was like, okay, I can see that happening. But then after talking to you on the phone, you sounded like death. Your voice was ah. all groggy, and then you were saying that you got all, uh, you got a bunch of acne from the harbor water. Uh, yeah, that, that was a red flag for me. I was like, "Oh, I love you, bro." You know, me. You <laughs> I know was me like, well. "I was like, I don't know, man." It just sounds like he got picked out again. Like, I mean, I know you pretty fucking well. Yeah. So then I was like, like, "Oh, oh, you got you got bloody scabs from the harbor water? Wow, then <laughs> all over your face. That's weird. That's really that's really uh, bad water." <laughs> I was giving you the benefit of the doubt, but even like Skylar was like, "I've been in that harbor. I've never gotten like." acne like that and uh i was like i don't know man i don't know like something i mean i don't know i was like i was like i'll give him the benefit of the doubt because i was like i'm not gonna go and just assume the worst like right. i was like oh it could be that but then uh you had told like dylan or someone like that you had gotten food poisoning also <laughs> and th- <laughs> and then uh all these things in one week it's like oh, yeah <laughs> And then, you, and then I, I heard from other people that uh, they like some like people from the house ran into some of your your friends that you would do outrigging with. And then they were like, yeah, Ryan said that he got some weird like uh, infection in his gums and it hit yeah. his bloodstream and he's got to go to the hospital. So I was like, oh, there's like three or four different like scenarios playing out here. I was like, which one is it? And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's. I was still like, ah. I was still like, uh, I mean, I was like, yeah, he probably went out, but like, I'm not, but gonna, yeah, but, I, yeah, I was like, I'm not going to say or think anything unless I had actual factual evidence. And then, um, fucking Catherine, uh, uh, messaged me and said that you were mess- talking to her and that you were like stressed out over finals or midterms and that you were thinking about getting some speed. And then uh, I was uh, like, I yeah, was like, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and then um, finally, I, I re- yeah, I reached out to you, and you were like, yeah, I'm fucking sick, dude. I fucked up, and blah blah blah. And it's like, you know, for the record, I you're always gonna be my fucking friend. Oh, I know, my brother. Like, I'm not judging you. Like, I've relapsed countless times, so it's not like I'm gonna be like, you know, if anything, like seeing a friend go out, it's like it's like heartbreaking and a little frustrating, but. I also feel for them because it's like if I'm if I wasn't in this like protected environment that I've been in uh, with the fear of like getting discharged and having nowhere to go, then, yeah, I could see myself doing the exact same thing. And I have I have done the exact same thing. So, 
and and so and so like with you like i i had no problem you're one of those people in my life that i just had no problem ever being honest with with things like that yeah. and but the only reason that i fucking hid from you was for two reasons a I it was my pride was so like I was not willing to let the the mission know yet because it oh yeah I mean I was the man of the month I was Mr. Speaker at the graduation everybody was like oh that was the best speech I've ever heard and it, I I meant that speech you know like I felt I was really genuine that day and I felt like I was just it was so gross for me to to do that and then relapse you know like like fucking let it but anyways and then there and then also you had just gone to the mission so I did not want you to be like oh. Right, Ryan just had this amazing year-long experience at the mission where that I'm just now starting, and he fucking didn't even make it two months out without relapsing. Like, should I even be here? I didn't want you to have, like, that kind of thought process. I mean, when... I mean, I think it was natural for me to, like, have that thought process at first when I when you had finally come clean, and it was, like, what I thought was, like, well, what chances do I have at survival, you know? Uh, yeah. Cause in, in so many different ways, I think you're a lot stronger than me, in a lot of things, but it's like, I've processed with that and I've moved on and, and it's like, uh, I've moved past that whole like mentality, but it's like, um, it, it, if anything now hearing your story, it makes me more self-aware that like, Oh fuck. Like I'm going to need to take a lot of, uh, precautions when, you know, my time does come to graduate okay first of all it, it sucks to think about and i was i wasn't willing to do it but even though i knew it was the, probably the right thing to do i think sober living fresh out the mission for at least a month is is really honestly a good idea yeah that's what i'm gonna do i'm doing especially at least six now, months especially, yeah you'll be able to go to the sober living which honestly if that had been open when i left the mission, i would have done it i would have done it i would have been i would probably i might even still be in sober living at the mission right now yeah but have they even opened that yet? Have they started sober living? They'll, yet? they'll. I heard in about a month or two it'll be open. See, that's crazy, man. Because like that's way too far out for like the guys that when we graduated, my group was supposed to have first dibs, and we still do. But like we were supposed to have first dibs at the, at the place when it opened. But they were like, "Oh, it'll be open two or three months when you guys leave," and that's not true at all. Now it's like fucking so far behind, and the place is done. How are they not opening the sober living yet? I don't get it. Uh, I think what a lot of it had to do is with uh, the county's um, uh, regulation and zoning laws and stuff. Like they had to re tear down the wheelchair ramp because it wasn't at the right angle. So it's like there's all these little rules and regulations for how you can like how you have to build um, a structure and stuff. That yeah. it's like they just fucking nitpick every little detail. Uh, so I know okay. that has a lot to do with it. And it might also have to do with like the finances and budgeting money and stuff, you know, like they couldn't even, um, when they got all that, uh, do like that money donated to them, they couldn't even put any money into fixing or, or upgrading the elevator and the elevator there is still fucked up. Dude, a homeless person got trapped in the elevator the other <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. They freaking out. Uh, yeah, they had to go to the hospital. They're having a panic attack when they finally got yeah. open. We had to call the fire, uh, the, the firefighters to come and get them out because like, 
Yeah, I was in the TV Dude, room. It was that tough. Wow. Yeah, I was in the TV room, and then I hear this like alarm go off. I'm like, "Is that the fire alarm?" And they're like, "No, it's the elevator alarm. Someone's stuck in the elevator." And I was like, "I w- I didn't know it was a homeless person. I thought it was like a resident." And I'm like, like thinking like, "Oh, I hope it's this person that's stuck in the elevator. That would be awesome." Uh, and uh, <laughs> it was really like a homeless dude. And when they finally got him out, he was freaked out. So they w- took him to the hospital for a panic attack, but. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. And, um, dude, they, I mean, there's just insanity that goes on there all the time. Like, you know, there's there's uh, people that show up uh, to slang dope to the homeless. I'm pr- I'm almost off. Oh, yeah. I'm almost positive. And then, you know, like, it's like you're going in to get free food at the at the dinner line, but you're driving like a new Infinity SUV. Like, that doesn't make oh, sense. Oh, no. Those people are, yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. So it's like, oh, yeah. And then, like, oh, it, it's crazy. Like, I'll sign out and walk past the homeless shelter. And, I'll like, I saw this one lady uh, just have, like, just have this giant chunk of fucking tar in her hands. And it smelled all vinegary. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to get the fuck away from the no. shit. Like, the, uh, if you walk by the homeless shelter right now, there's just blood all over the sidewalk. Because two homeless people got in a fight and someone got the shit kicked out of him. I didn't see oh, it, but I saw the, Yeah, I saw I saw the aftermath and there's just blood drops all over the fucking sidewalk like it's fucking intense, dude. Like um I'm glad they moved cuz you know when we were next door we had to serve the homeless every other day. Now we have work crew and we only have to do it once a week, thank God. But uh yeah, like it, it's um cuz I like the I mean, I don't get me wrong, serving the homeless is like uh, being of service and get, it helped me get out of my head. But then like, it also is intense. Like, like homeless people run into the trash can and throwing up and, you know, like just, Oh, I know. Did, yeah. It's, it's not, that's what I was saying earlier. I love the homies, but I mean, there's, it doesn't change the fact that they're homeless people, dude. Like, and, and no matter how, like how, uh, how real we want to be with ourselves to say that like, we're not like other people to where we judge these, these poor homeless folk. It, it still doesn't change the fact that they're homeless people, dude. And like homeless people act like homeless people. They really do all that bummy shit that people talk shit about. And well, yeah. And I mean, a lot of them have mental illness or they're on high on drugs and that just, you know, makes the situation worse. The thing I always have to remind myself is like, I could end up, very easily to uh, to be in the exact same situation as them if I don't you know look after my yeah. own shit and and keep my demons in check because it's like I I think yeah I would think about that all the time I would always look at them and think to myself how I mean dude no matter how low I've gone from like no matter how far down the 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 line I've I've found myself in the past like I have never even been close to being a that point like and i mean i've been homeless before i've been on the streets but even then i was never like the 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 dude that just didn't shower for six days and just wore the same outfit for years i mean some of those guys have been wearing the same outfit for years yeah oh yeah i don't know what it takes i mean that takes some serious mental illness for sure but fuck man like that's just it's an eye opener. It's an eye opener, man. Yeah. It, it really puts things into perspective. And it's like, don't get me wrong. I like serving food to them, but, but then there's always like the people who like try to get one over on you. And oh you, yeah, yeah. Or the, yeah, and they get mad and start talking shit or whatever because you don't want to give them an extra muffin because 
it's like, dude, everybody gets a muffin, bro. Like, you you want to you want to take everybody. Like, they don't care if they take everybody else's food. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, oh, dude, you know what? You were telling me last time we talked on Messenger was like you were in this weird. You had like this weird. I don't know if it was a psychosis or like a hallucination or something. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, that was that was um, that was at the okay. That was actually at the end. Um, the for, okay after I had relapsed hard the, the like near the end before I actually got clean for a little bit um was uh that that that, that first relapse was the hardest because it was the longest uh like straight conse- consecutive number of days that I used you know yeah and it and near the end of it I had um I don't know if it was the fentanyl or the dehydration or the, I mean, I can't say it was lack of sleep. It wasn't lack of sleep because I had been asleep more than I had been awake. But there was um, a point where like I, I started nodding out in a weird way where I wasn't, I wasn't just losing consciousness and falling asleep. Like I was, it was going into like a, it was like a halfway state of being asleep and awake. And I would be, dream, I assume I was dreaming, but it was hallucinating, but um, I would be sitting there in my room, right? And I would do a shot. And then all of a sudden, I would start thinking about somebody. And, and then I would have start having a conversation with them as if they were right there. Like, because I would actually, like the conversation I might be having with them in my head, I would yeah. start having, it would actually, I would actually start hearing it. I would audibly hear their voice and, and, and then visibly see them in my room because my room was super dark. So there would just be these like, like shadowy figures and i mean i'm talking like to you right like you were one of them like no it was way yes yeah, so what was happening was i was having it, I, two or three times i had this moment where i'm sitting on my bed i'm doing i do a shot and then all of a sudden there's like a circle of you guys around me and i'm talking to all of you and like i would be hearing your guys' voices and you would ask me a question and uh you'd be like, dude, are you going to get clean soon? And then like, I would get, uh, I'd be like, yeah, dude, it's okay. I would just, you know, talk to myself out loud. And it wasn't until I started talking every time I would speak like in response to a question, then I would like snap to it and realize, Oh, wait a second. I'm nobody's in here. Like, Holy shit. You know? And then I would shut up. And then as soon as I would shut up, um, you know, then I would start hearing you guys again. And like, it was like the conversation kept going, but, but then I kept, um, I kept talking, and then when I would speak, nobody would respond to me. So I would realize, oh my god, nobody's in here, and it was crazy, dude, because I really, really, really believed it. Like you, you guys were in here with me as real as day, dude. Like, is like I could hear your voice as I'm hearing it right now on the phone, as clear as I'm hearing it right now. What the fuck? But That's insane. It yeah, it wasn't, and um. It was scary, dude. Like, what else was, did you see? You see anything else that was fucking just crazy and weird? Um, I probably did. I, I can't really recall at this point. Like I mean, a dream I just, state. Yeah, I had some like really dark shit. Oh no, I did have um, I did have like this really just uh, there was a really dark presence around me, like and I like, like an entity, like an actual like intelligent entity that I sensed constantly. Like a demon was, you know, like like lurking over you. Yes, yeah, and that's what it felt like, and and that, and um, and it was, dude. I was so when I when I quit using, right? Um, my mom was coming to town with my little niece and nephew and my sister in law, 
And so I had to get clean. Like I, I couldn't, I hadn't seen the, my family in, in over, you know, in like a long ass time. Like I had seen my mom once while I was at the mission, but before that I hadn't seen my mom in years. Yeah. This was going to be the first time I had like a whole weekend to spend with her, you know, like in years. And so I had, to, and I had already lost all that weight and everything. So I already looked like shit. So I knew that I had to at least get clean. So that way when, you know, and, and like get clean a week ahead of time. So that way when they got here, I could be on, on my straight and narrow and healthy enough to where they didn't like, they may notice I lost weight, but they wouldn't think anything. And so I had, I did, I just forced myself to quit. Um, um, and it was really fucking hard, but, uh, it, I was so sick like that rest of that week. Like it took so long for those chemicals to leave my body that when my mom got here, I was like, I felt like I was dying, bro. It was, yeah, it was, well, it was a dude. fentanyl withdrawal. Those are fucking intense. Yeah, dude, it was, it was like, like uh, my skin, like my, when I would look at myself in the mirror, I, I had like a, like a gray appearance. Like I looked like almost like a dead body, like. I've seen a lot of dead bodies, like fresh, when you're freshly dead, you have like a gray kind of appearance to you. And I had that appearance. It was really fucking gross, dude. That's fucking insane. Well, what, what were you, what was your wean techniques? How did you like detox? Cause you did a at home detox. Okay. So that time it was actually, it, it was kind of weird. Like, and this is where like, I feel like, you know, God came in to play and like change things around for me because I knew I had to get clean before my mom got here. And, and as much as I would like to say that I did it with my own strength and, like, I made the decision, I really didn't. One day, the dude that I was getting from here in town, it was, like, the first time he just didn't have anything. And, actually, he was out of town because he, he's from Paso Robles. So he, went, he had gone up to Paso Robles for, like, five days, and I didn't know it. And so I, I had bought a three-pack from him a few days before. He leaves town. I run out, and... I realized that I need to get clean, but I'm like, yeah, I still want to get like another stack, right? Well, he's not, he's not here anymore. So I'm like, fuck, I got to go all the way up to Paso Robles. So I drive, um, I'm calling people and I can't get a, I, I get a hold of my, my dealers up in Paso and I get up there and like, dude, I'm talking to them on the phone, like every now, like every so often on the way up there, like, okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm meeting this checkpoint, you know, I'll be there in such and such time, like answer your phone when I get there. And they're like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and they're answering the phones, answering the phones, answering the phones. And I'm, like, already super dope sick, right? And I get to Paso, and then all of a sudden, the moment I get to Paso, I can't get a hold of them at all. And, right, typical, right? Like, yeah. classic fucking dealer shit. Oh, Jesus. So I sit there, and I'm like, okay, I'll just wait. I'll wait, you know, I'll wait 20 minutes, and I'll call them back. So I fucking cuff it out, wait 20 minutes. Still, no, no response. I'm texting them. I'm calling them. Nothing. I cannot get a hold of them. So I call this fool that I had been at the mission with. And one of the fools that got kicked out on that day when the six guys got kicked out. Yeah. And he's like all, he's a grimy, shady fucking dude. But oh, I, I know who exactly you're talking about. You're talking about Tim. Yeah. Yeah. So Fuck that I guy. Timmy, <laughs> I see Timmy on, I see Timmy on messenger, right? Uh-huh. He's like, dude, I had no more dealers numbers in my phone. So like I see Timmy on messenger. He's my only hope. And I message him, and I'm like, hey, bro, I'm, in, I'm kind of in town. Like, can you give me some black? And he's like, really? Me? And I'm like, no, yeah. And he's like, are you serious? Because, like, he realized, like, he knew I, how well I did in the program. And I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. And he's like, like uh, yeah, 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 for sure. No, uh, actually, yes, I got a homie. I got a homie right here that, that can get it for, that has it for you. He's like, come on down. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll be there soon. And 
and like I'm driving down there and I didn't tell him I was in Paso, so it took me longer than I think he expected for me to get there. And I should have seen this as a red flag. So this fool calls me and he's like, you're coming, right? Like, and I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, I just want to make sure that you're, you're coming because, uh, you know, like I need the money. I already, he already gave it to me. Oh, I already need to make sure that you have the money. I'm like, yeah, for sure. And I, I, I thought I was like, that's kind of suspicious. Like he's now he's calling to make sure that I'm bringing the cash. Like, you know, that, I don't know, that just made me feel weird. So I get there and I pick up from him and I fucking drive off. And I'm like, he, when he hands me the gram, it feels, it feels weird in my hand. It felt like super flat and, and like way more than a gram, you know? And he's oh. like, dude, I hooked you up. I hooked you the fuck up. I'm like, Oh, cool. You know? And I drive off and I, I look at it. I, no, no, I get, I get all the way down to Napomo because I was like super paranoid and I was super dope sick. I just wanted to get some needles and get high. So I go all the way down to fucking Napomo to get syringes from that CVS. Yeah. And I get them and then I go find a parking lot to use in. And the moment I pull out the sack, like I look at it and I'm like, this isn't fucking heroin at all. I was like, this is fucking like soda that, you know, how like he melted it down. He melted Coca-Cola it. down? Yeah, dude. So I do, a sh I fucking draw this shit up and it's like, I'm looking at it in the syringe and it's just not cooking up right. It looks purple in the syringe and I do a shot of it and I, it was grape soda, bro. <laughs> I fucking shot up grape soda. And at this point, dude, I'm so hopeless and so upset. And the moment I leave the poem of my fucking people up in Paso that hadn't been answering their phone, call me back. And I was just like, nope, I'm fucking sick. I can't. I, I, I didn't have it in me to drive back to Paso, dude. I was so anxious that I actually, I don't know, I was just like, fuck it, dude. I'm so mad. I was so, like, dejected that I I felt like total dog shit. But I just drove back to Santa Barbara, and I got to my house, and I just crawled in my bed, dude. And I just fucking, I just, like, shut down, bro. And um, then, like, maybe 14 hours later, I was really losing my mind. And uh, I, I knew uh, it was way too soon for me to take this to Boston, I thought, but I needed to do something. And so I called, I called my buddy John, and who lives with my buddy Andre, who were from the. And I just, I told, I broke down to John and told him the truth. I said, bro, I fucked up. I relapsed. I need to like come. I need to be somewhere with, like around people, where I'm like safe, you know, comfortable. And he's like, yeah, dude, come over. He's like, yeah, I actually relapsed too. So yeah, come on over. <laughs> so I get over there and like gives me a subby text and yeah. he's like dude it's probably too soon but just take it bro it'll make you feel better and, and I did I risked it and it, it worked it didn't make me feel like shit and so that's how I got clean that time and so I just kept taking the, the subby text and the suboxone I had and, and I made it through but even with the suboxone I still didn't feel better dude, for like over a week you feel then, slightly better at least though yeah I did it's like more bearable it, but you're lethargic and shit and I stayed clean for that whole week, and then I think like another whole week after my mom was here. And I think I see I saw you in the time that I was clean. And then and then there was some at some point I, I fucking picked up again and used for like another week, and then got clean again. And it's been going on like that for a while. Like right now, I I, I used yesterday and the day before and the day before, so I know I'm gonna get sick on some level. Um. Well, you don't sound loaded. You know, I just well, I keep yeah, because I'm not like it, it hasn't been as bad as it was that first time since that happened, but I just can't get the motivation to stay clean, dude. But I keep like I'm so mad because like, I just need to get back to the gym, 
get back into the routine of being healthy, you know, and like, yeah, I get that. I'll be all right. But you know, um, have you thought about going to a, a meeting? Oh no, I need to go to a meeting too. That's, you, that's way more important than the gym. I'm just saying like, I need to, I don't know. I feel like I need to get to the point where I feel motivated to, to do meetings and everything. Um, I get that. Um, but you know, I, I, at least for myself, it, it's for me, it's like more about action. Like if I wait to get that motivation to go, then I'll never go to it's a fucking, never gonna come. Yeah. It's never yeah. going to come. It's like yeah. what I've figured out or fe- come to find out is like most of the shit that I don't want to do. I I like have to do, you know, yeah. so I know dude. It's so true. I like have to force myself to leave the TV room or go and break away from whatever the fucking fun is going on and then go to a meeting at least three a week is what's required. But sometimes I do four or more, but I just, I hated to admit that it was working for me because I got to the end of, of the program. The whole time I was at and I really was all about AA and I don't know what happened, but one day I was just sitting in a meeting and I'm like, this place is a cult. Like my entire perspective like flipped on me. And I'm like, this place kind of is like a cult. You know, like I was just so tired of hearing it. You know, the problem was that I was going to the same meeting day every week and in, in and week out. And I wasn't going to new ones. So I just kept hearing the same guys, you know, Jimmy and, and all the guys that always get called on at lakes and they only call on each other. Like I got I've so tired that. of hearing, hearing from all of them. The same thing day week in and week out, you know, over a year and I just was like these guys are a bunch of fucking washed up like you know sellouts you know and I <laughs> I, I just like changed my mind on, on the whole thing about AA and I was you know and also I started thinking I'm like dude one two dudes like basically came up with the premise of AA you know like how am I you know do I really trust that that these guys know what they're fucking doing like do I trust like I don't know if you know about the Oxford groups you know like the, the how the the six original steps like that the 12 steps are based off of no, like the, I don't. What is that about? Oh, they're so like, I can't remember if it was Dr. Bob or Bill. One of them, when they were trying to get clean, when they were trying to get sober, um, went to uh, like a, a religious kind of program that was like a new, it was a new thing back in the day for like as an alternative to drug rehab. It was like a, you know, faith-based approach to, to addiction or whatever. Uh-huh. And it was this group called the Oxford Group. They were uh, a very, like, very serious, uh, like, like heavy Jesuit Catholic kind of style uh, or, like, Orthodox Christianity uh, group of people that um, they believed that the only way a man could get rid of— they basically viewed alcoholism as basically being, like, possessed by a demon, essentially, and that the only way that you could get sober is by attacking it spiritually. And so they came up with, like, uh, six steps to doing so, which was basically admitting a defeat or admitting, you know, yeah, admitting powerlessness. Surrendering. um, uh, Yeah, surrendering. And and then also admitting one's wrongs, you know, uh, confessing confessing and then making amends. Um, And then – or I don't know if they had a making amends part, but they had – you had to confess, like, openly to, to, uh, you know, like – to God and to another person. And then you had to make a vow to live your life differently from that point forward. And, you know, uh, 
whether it was Bill or Dr. Bob, they, they realized, like, they saw the merit in it. They saw the value. They saw that uh, how it could work. But it didn't really come into play until they uh, had their spiritual awakening in the hospital and then decide, realized, like, oh, man, like, okay, those six steps are great, but there needs to be, like, a, like stricter – there needs to be more steps. There needs to be more action taken, you know. And so that's where they built uh, – that's where they, they built the 12 steps off of. But the Oxford group – um, was ran by this guy who was um, really good friends with Alistair Crowley. You know, he was not, a, a, like, he truly wasn't a God-fearing man, even though he was in this, he was running this organization. And he was, a, like, serial child molester. And, um, and, then, and then when you look at, like, AA's founding, like, AA, right? Um, the, I can't remember if it was Dr. Bob, or, I think it was Bill, Bill Wilson, the, uh, the stockbroker. He was also very... Um, read up on Aleister Crowley and um, Aleister Crowley had this book called um, it was like a magical book um, first of all he Aleister Crowley wrote a book called uh, um, uh, what was it Dope Fiend um, dope something sick. about Dope Fiend Dope no it wasn't it was like I think it was oh Diaries of a of a of a drug fiend or Diaries of a Hopeless Dope Fiend or something like that. And it was, he wrote this allegorical story about his own heroin addiction. But, um, it, you know, he wrote like a, yes, an allegorical story about somebody else. And when you read that story and compare it to like the first few chapters of um, Alcoholics Anonymous, oh. dude, it's like, it's basically like Bill, Bill copied it, dude, and like turned it into his own story. Like there's like this poem in the be- uh, I don't know like I I can I can explain it to you further but there's a lot to it. it Anyways, diary then, of like, a hey, diary of a drug fiend. Yes, and then the 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 triangle within a circle was Aleister Crowley's deal, which and it's the same thing. Aleister Crowley was like, look, um, to like I don't know to like, to, to find like like true happiness or whatever. Like you need like pe- uh, I was like. I don't know, dude. It was this whole belief, this whole like crazy magic belief system that Alistair Crowley came up with that had, like was like faith or not faith, but unity. I'm trying oh. to find what the name of the book is. Well, there's that book, and then there's um. I'm, I'm looking at. I'm online right now. I'm gonna look up the name of that book. That okay? So uh, Crowley's diaries. Yeah, it's diaries of a drug fiend. Is his book okay? And it was written about five years it was written within the same decade but prior to um when they when they wrote the the big book of alcoholics anonymous right yeah and um it uh it is very very similar like especially the first chapter like in bill's story if you read bill's story it's very similar to like the whole structure of the chapter um you know, there's like a poem in the beginning of the chapter of Bill Story. There's a poem that's very similar to that poem in the beginning of the first chapter of Diaries of a Drug Fiend. And the guy's story in Bill's story is very similar to the story of this guy in Diary of a Drug Fiend, like like almost to a T. Like basically, it, it seems like Bill copied it and then just changed the names and locations almost. Really? And that's really, really, um, yeah, really uh, interesting, you know. I okay, also so, I also heard that um, when Bill and Doctor Bob were starting the fellowship, like a lot of people went out and relapsed because they were all like thirteen stepping each other and getting in a bunch well, of crazy relationships. Yes, and and that's a big thing with Alistair Crowley was like sex magic, you know. 
um, yeah, that was yeah. Bill, no, it was it wasn't just in the beginning of Alcoholics Anonymous. It turns out Bill especially had a it was a serial um, thirteen stepper the entire for his entire life after he got clean. He was notorious for it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking crazy, dude. Um, okay, so. I know we, you don't have much more time left, but what I wanted to just dive into real quick was, um, well, what is your plan for the future? If you, if you even have thought that far ahead, like, do you, I mean, you're, you still say you're like, you've used recently and blah, blah, blah. But, um, like what do you, My plan? Whoa, sorry. no, do you have like a game plan or like, what do you, what do you, what do you try and what do you think about doing? To, uh... The same plan right now is I've got um, I've got some uh, some Xanax. Okay. And once I I'm gonna use utilize that to get clean off the black that I'm currently on because I'm I know I've used enough to feel sick. You're um, anticipating it. I'm anticipating it, and For I've got sure. Suboxone as well. I've got Suboxone, so it's always the first 24 hours to to like. I, that I have to manage my fucking symptoms and make it through that 24 hours to take the Suboxone. Once I get on Suboxone, I'm cool, dude. Like, I will stay clean long enough to have, a, like, a true chance of staying clean. Yeah. So, right now, like, I plan on doing that. I have to work today, and I have to work tomorrow. So, getting, trying to get totally clean off the black now doesn't, is not feasible. Like, I'm, I'm going to yeah. probably have to do this today. you got to get through so, work. Yes. So, tomorrow night, um, and, uh, I mean Monday night. I can't remember when I when it, the night before I have the day off. The night that night before, like I'm gonna do my last shot before my shift at work, work my shift, and then go home and just tough it out. Take the Xanax, whatever you know, pass out, wake up, take the Suboxone, take my day off to kind of get right. You have and, a, you, know, you have only one day off, or you're gonna have two consecutive? Yeah, days I'm only off. gonna have one day off. I'm gonna have one day off, and then I have one day of work. Uh, and then I have like another day off after that. So, um, but if I take enough to Boston, I'll be all right to get yeah. to that day. Over. So, um, that's, that's the plan there. Like that's how that, that's what it would look. That's the formula for me to get clean. Once I get clean, I'm going to do things differently and, you know, go to meetings and whatnot, like reach out, come by to, you know, like that's, I got to do that, bro. I, cause here's the problem. Like I said, I was using alone all the time. So it doesn't make sense for me to get clean and then continue isolating, right? No, isolation, of course not. Yeah, you're just going to get stuck in your own head. Yeah. The isolation is why I keep going back to using because I, if I'm isolated in my using, then the only solution to that is to not be isolated when I'm not using. Yeah. If I stay isolated when I'm clean, I'm going to use because it just doesn't work. So yeah. that's that's what I have to do differently. Um and but yeah, it's, it's and once I get to that point, like a month, a month in, you know, if I'm hitting meetings and, and I'm going to the gym and I'm eating healthy and I'm, I'm I'm being social, I will lose my any urge to like go back and use. I know myself. I know that I like I like being clean more than I like getting high, bro. That yeah. just I do. I, and I've had enough in I've had enough times in my life where I've been clean, and I've had enough instances where I've been high for a long period of time. To know for to absolute like beyond a shadow of a doubt that I thoroughly enjoy being clean far more than I enjoy using. No, all. and I also think that you have 
like when you're when you're in when you're on a run, I think you you especially feel a lot of like regret and shame about it. Yeah, and I then, do. I and then it triggers you to keep on continuing. Be, to no, that's exactly out, it. Yeah, to numb those feelings. Yeah. That's know. where I'm at right now. That's where I'm at right now. But I. But I have to, I have to run the, I have to go on the run long enough to realize that, like, no matter how much more I use, like, I can never numb those feelings away enough, like, because they no, just keep coming. No, it's not permanent. Yeah, you're always gonna get clean and then return to that guilt, and shit. Yeah. Um, like, well, I mean, I guess the best recommendation I would give is like, yeah, do your shift, take the the Xanax to just sleep through most of it, and so that it gives you enough ample time so when you take the Suboxone, you don't get. Uh-huh worse so then when you yeah. wake up in the morning take the suboxone feel a little better and then take it for day two and day three i wouldn't take suboxone more than three to four days and oh no then, i'm not i'm not and I'm then not going on day four i would switch to kratom and if you got to do some like get a dab cartridge or something then do that to just help get through like the lethargic feeling and yeah. then but then after the physical aspect is worn off yeah, I mean, I know it's not going to be a comfortable feeling, but I mean, my honest suggestion, um, and I'm just throwing that out there, is yeah, you're going to have to like, you know, call our sponsor, talk to him, yeah. you're going to have to go to a meeting, but then you're also going to have to stand up as a newcomer, and I know that's going to be... Yeah, hard. I'm fine. No, it's not that bad for me now. It's not that bad for me at this point, because I've, I've been gone so long that yeah. it's not a big surprise. Back then it was a big deal because it, it was like one day I was totally, I, I was just picking up my year chip and then the next week I'm standing up as a newcomer like that. I was, I was not willing to do that. But. No, that's fine. And I mean, and like, <laughs> I think if you put yourself out there to <clears throat> everyone in a meeting, they're going to reach out to you to, to be supportive and help you get past yeah. all that you know they're not going to know what's going on unless you're open and saying something and not only that but like when you're feeling stuck inside your head you got to reach out to to people to help to talk and process it and get out of your head because yep. if you isolate your i mean at least for myself when i'm stuck in my head and i don't process it with another person then it just manifests and and gets worse you know um yep. it never gets better on its own it doesn't just go away no, because then I'll I'll think up uh, plausible scenarios and then what could happen and stuff. And then when I'm like, you know, looking in the future, I'm fearful of what could happen and try to be a control freak about it. And then if I think about the past, I'm living in regret. I mean, I know it's kind of yeah. a cl- cliche thing to say, but it's like, it's true. It's and, true. Yeah. It's and it's true. like, um, but it's like, you know, um, I know it's hard to like reach out and get a hold of me because I'm stuck in the phase I'm in. I don't have a phone and stuff. But yeah, you're always you can always reach out to me and I'll always get back to you. No, you come in there too. Those those guys when they don't care if I came in there at any time of the day, dude. I could sit in on groups. I I don't think they would care at all. Yeah, I don't know if I could sit in on groups, but well, yeah, go. You know, here's another thing that I just I'm reminded of right now. Um, So I, you know didn't pay probation the whole time I was at the mission, right? You know? Yeah. Because they gave me a break. Well, when I left the mission, I, I had to start paying probation again. I paid probation maybe two months in a row, and then I stopped paying. I haven't paid probation since. And I'm scheduled. I'm pretty sure my, my court date to get off probation officially is November, which is coming up. And uh, they're not going to let me off probation if I haven't made some probation payments, are they? I have no idea. How much do you owe them? 
Well, I don't know, but well, I mean, they pay all my probation fees and everything once I'm once I'm off. Once I go in November, but I think I was supposed to stay on top of. Anyways, the chance like I need to be clean when I when I what, go down there. Are you in on probation in San Luis County? No, I'm, but I'm still on drug court probation, I believe. Yeah, up as well. I would talk to Corey or someone about that. I'm not, but I'm not willing to call or make contact with anybody until I get like clean and have it out of my system. Oh yeah. Wants me to come meet him, you know. No, I get it. Um, you know, drug court is so dear. I, I, right when I got up here for my weekend pass, I ran into, uh, I think it was, jo- uh, I don't even remember John, but, uh, I think his name yeah, is John. John. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, he said, uh, he just got into aftercare or whatever, but he said drug court is not the same. He's like, he said that they don't even give sanctions anymore for anything. What? Have, yeah. No sanctions. You have to write a paper. <laughs> There's people who've read really, no. There's people who have relapsed like three or four times, and they're still in the program. <laughs> what? Yeah. What happened? How did this happen? Because only Corey's running it? No, Corey is, uh, his the his partner in it is this chick named Lauren, and Lauren is like a position above him, so she's making all the shot calls, and she's like, no more sanctions. So. Oh, wow. So she, probably, well, she probably knows what she's doing, man. Yeah, I know all that shit. All that shit we talked about, like, like almost three years ago, about how bullshit it is to like yeah. treat, treat us like criminals. Like that's all gone, you know. Wow, mind blown, right? That's fucking crazy. And uh, I don't know if you heard, but that episode where I did with you when you're on the run, right before you got yeah. to inpatient. Oh, you did air it. Oh, it's up. Yeah, it's. I had to do it oh. in two. I had to do it in two parts. But yeah, it's up for you to listen to if you yeah. want to hear it. It's fucking. It's good, dude. It's got like some of the. It's got the most views like out of all of them. So really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah so That's you should check awesome. that out. Um, but uh, I know we got to wrap this up. But just uh, parting words is like you know, you're always my homie, Ryan. Like I miss you, and uh, you know. Honestly, yeah, I, I was worried about you, um, you know, like, <laughs> I'm worried about anyone, but, um, you know, like, you, you've been through the program enough to where, like, you, you have, you know what you need, what needs to be done, um, and it's more about taking action than, than thinking of, like, the best way to go about it, like, we're gonna make mistakes when we get, when we, you know, like flow through life. So, you know, I'm never going to shame or guilt or judge you for that. Like I'm just as susceptible to doing exactly the same things. And I have done the exact same things. And I know how shitty it feels when you actually get honest and come forth about that. And then someone just makes you feel even worse about it. So I was like, mm-hmm. that's the last thing I'm going to do, you know, but fucking, um, yeah. like, I mean, honestly, all I want, to see from you is for you to, to succeed and, and grow and, and live that life that you dream about, you know, cause I know you're fully fucking capable of it and you are really fucking talented and there's amazing opportunity out there for you. You know, you're a genuinely good person. So, um, like I'm always here to help you get through, you know, the rough times, like, and I always will be there for you. Like, I don't, I mean, you know, people make, you know, mistakes or, or whatever you want to consider a relapse to be. But, um, you know, like, um, I have more faith in you to, to overcome this than, than most people. Um, 
yeah, Thanks, it, it's like it's a bummer that it happened, but it it happened. So it, it's like, well, instead of dwelling on it, like I'm all for like, well, let's find a solution. Let's get you past it and get you back on track. At least you're still working. You have a job. You're holding that down. You just you're bought, you just bought a computer. That's fucking awesome. Um, yeah, and okay. So so my my response to that is. Thank you. First and foremost, um, I've always, ever, I mean, ever since I met you in jail, uh, <laughs> and then seeing you in drug court that first day, I, I knew that like you were just a solid dude, and that. Uh, Thank you. Um, you and I, actually, it's it's funny because you and I have we started this process at the same time. We've gone through. You you have, dude. You've been in the same boat as me for, I mean, the exact same boat, same scenario. We went to the same jail at the same time for the same charges. Went to drug court at the same time. We relapsed same at the same time. <laughs> relapsed at the same time. Yeah. Had the same problem. Actually, no, but it was funny because our relapses were like flip-flopped. It, when you were in using, I was clean. When I'm when I'm uh, using, you're clean. Yeah, it's like and the it's table's like turn. That. Yeah, every time. It, 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 exactly. Like the moment you get clean, I start using. The moment you start using, I, I get clean. You know, it's, it's funny. But um, yeah. anyways, um, I'm really, really glad, though, that you found the strength in yourself to get to because I really was very surprised in the state of mind and the way that you were acting then I was very I was baffled that you actually came down and did it because um, you were not in your right mind you were you know what I mean you were I was, very I lost was fucked off yeah dude you were you were lost bro and everybody knew it but you but um yeah I'm glad you came and I was I was so afraid that you were I didn't I thought you were so fragile then that when I when I did go out, like I couldn't tell you, and I'm fucking so glad that you didn't, you know, that you're approaching it the way that you did, that yeah. it didn't, you know, cause you to go, you know, think any kind of way, and uh, just listening to the way you're talking about things right now, like I, I don't think I've ever heard you as speak as realistically as you are right now. I mean, oh, when thank you, I in appreciate the past, that. You know, the problem when we were in drug court, like we had all these like beliefs and everything but fact of the matter was like we were both very much and i'm still um supportive of, of our addiction like we I, I think that we were in denial that our addiction was going to destroy us if we didn't just stop and we had this thought that like we could use and still be functioning for you know productive oh, yeah. people i totally and, thought that um i i've realized you know a long time ago that i it doesn't work for me and I'm hearing that in you now, and this is like the first time I'm really like hearing your genuine like like you know uh, appreciation of, of of being clean. You know, yeah. I don't I, hear any kind of uh, regret that you ha- that you can't use right now. I mean, I I had to go through what I went through to realize I needed to change, and you were a huge part. You played a huge factor in that. Like I'll never forget, you were you were had. Uh, gotten a ride or, or took the train or you got up here somehow to get your car because you were in phase four of the program and mm-hmm. I was shot the fuck out. I was just super loaded, super loaded. Oh, I know. Dude. And you, you came by and um, <laughs> you came by to say what's up and dude, like, I mean, 
I can admit to it now, but like when you were in the living room waiting for me, I had done, I was doing a shot in the bathroom. Like I was like, Oh, I know. I know you were. <laughs> it was bad. I I, you, dad, your dad had to make me wait out there. And I was like, yeah, uh, he gave me this look like, oh, yeah, Brian, Brian's here, but uh, Brian's not here. Let me go find him. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was so like, bad. He was, he was worried about me. Cause he's like, I was like, you know, Oh my God. He's like, here's, here's Brian. Dude, your dad was, talking to me the whole time that day uh when i like from the moment i showed up at the door before you even came out he was like he's like okay well you know brian's not doing very good and i was like i know (laughs) i was like i'm kind of here i'm kind of here to see him you know to just like i don't know just to see him he's like i really appreciate that he's he's really not like he was really worried about you dude you know and uh yeah they were dude your parents i know they were stoked that i showed up and and that was part of my reason is because i was like okay hopefully i can like get through to Brian that like where I'm at is worth having, you know? Well, that, that was a huge impact because, uh, on me and my family, because, um, yeah. And we even did a video for the fucking stupid nod squad Facebook page. And if you look, have you ever put that up? Yeah, it's still up. Like you can see, like, uh, I, you were looking super good and clean and healthy and I was just shot out. I was so shot out. And then, um, you know, you had dinner with us and my parents saw how good you were doing and they saw how bad I was doing. So they're like, wow, this this, you know, this is working for Ryan. And not then, that I'm super shot out right now, but we should do another video like that before I before I'm clean for too long. So we yeah. can see how that flip flop dude, because I'd be really <laughs> interested to compare my face now to my face then because I know oh, my face dude. is blocked like all the way. Yeah. No, I remember like and then you had left and you'd gone back and I was still struggling, and then I had reached out to you, and you, I'll never forget what you said, you were basically saying, like, you know, we were utilizing the only tools we had at our disposal, which was drugs, you know, and that we had to build a new foundation of, and set of tools to to live a a happy life without feeling the need to go to those substances, and then, yeah, you convinced me to go down and, and join the inpatient program you were in. So it was like, it was, uh, it was insane. So, um, um dude. I'm really like, I really have a lot to owe you and thank you for you helping me get into that program, you know, like, you, but, holy shit, my dog is freaking Zachy. out. <laughs> Zachy, no. <laughs> Well, uh, homie, I think my homie David just showed up for the next interview. But hey, uh, yeah, we're gonna wrap this up. If that's yeah. happening, but is there anything you want to say to the squadron out there before you go? I love you, squadron. I'm 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 okay, and uh, just keep on keeping on. Fuck yeah! All right, man. Well, I love you, bro, and um, I love you too, man. Uh, I'll text you uh, later today, and then we'll check. And, you know, we'll, we're keeping in touch. You know, you're my homie for life. You know that. Cool. All right, man. All right, man. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Later, man. Peace.